0: introducing a man who is throwing seven different kinds of smoke because somebody has to now that the orioles are trading away their best relievers he's harnessing his inner glennness that's his name with ness on the end of it he is glenn clark that's, that's very
1: clever good morning it's glenn clark radio i'm glenn clark he is paul valley it's a monday morning Baseball's back this week. Dukes out of the picture. God, life couldn't be any better. Actually, I don't really care about the, you know, the the baseball won't be back until Friday. So we still have to get through about 5 days and even when it comes back, it ain't really back in Baltimore until next week and even when that comes back, you know. Yeah, that's let's still be realistic about that. But still, But still, we're getting there, and more importantly, there's no Duke in the title game, and that's a wonderful thing. I want to talk more about that in today's show. I'll get to that here in one second. It is a Monday edition of the program. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, and that's where I'm going to be tonight with my buddy Rodney Elliott, the former Terps and Dunbar star. We will be hanging out with you in the FanDuel Sportsbook for Carolina and Kansas. I have not – like, this is the tricky part to me. Everything this weekend was so centered around Duke that I don't even know how I feel about tonight. I will admit that there's a part of me that just sort of says Carolina has played so well that I don't think they should be four-point dogs to just about anybody at the moment. And I understand it's not a big number. Like, if you think Kansas is going to win, the likelihood they win by fewer than four points is kind of slim – but I just sort of think that Carolina has played so well that they shouldn't be four-point dogs to anybody. Now, Kansas, of course, played really well against Villanova on Saturday. Kansas has probably been the steadiest team since the beginning of the calendar year in college basketball. So I I, I get it. But I think I'm leaning towards Carolina as my pick for tonight. I think. You're just sort of playing the points and saying, I think these two teams both deserve to be there. I don't think one is particularly better than the other at the moment. We all know Kansas had a better season than Carolina did, but at the moment, I don't see enough separation for me to say that I think Kansas is particularly better, so if I got four points to play with, I'm going to play with those four points, and I'm going to bet Carolina. I think... That's the route I'm going tonight. As far as rooting is concerned, my rooting interest will be completely based upon how I bet because I don't give a rat's ass. Don't care. I have appreciation for the fact that Carolina did uh, the Lord's work or whatever you believe in as far as deities are concerned. They did that work on Saturday, so maybe there's a slight interest to me in saying, all right, go get them. Go get them, sports. But, you know, if you want me to... To rev up some of my underlying Carolina hate for the night, I could probably do that too. I haven't visited it in some time. I still hate Anton Jameson and Vince Carter and all those jerks that I had to watch over the years. Not nearly the way that I hated Duke, of course. Um, but I just haven't felt it in a long time either. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I hate to say I'm indifferent because that doesn't make for, for quality programming this evening. I'll make some bets and that will guide me as to how I ultimately feel about tonight's game. That will be my guiding light for my feelings about tonight will be the bets that I make when I'm in the FanDuel Sportsbook. You can make bets, and if you make a $50 bet on tonight's game, because this is the last one, $50 or more and you're a Live Rewards member, you can register that bet to win a $500 bracket bonus. It matters not that it was on the title game and not on a first-round game. All games created equal in terms of bracket bonuses. 10 live rewards members are winning bracket bonuses. You got to register your bet and you got to be a live rewards member. So if you're coming to hang out with us tonight, just go right up to the window there at the FanDuel Sportsbook, say, "Hey, I I meant to sign up and I I didn't." No problem. They got you covered in the FanDuel Sportsbook to get you signed up for Live Rewards. Go see them tonight. And uh, our buddy uh, Chris Ruling, Great 8's memorabilia, providing some great giveaways uh, for tonight's action as well. It's going to be a fun night in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Speaking of college basketball, Gravis Vazquez is going to join us a little bit later on this morning. He's been working down in New Orleans for Westwood One, did the Final Four, and going to do the title game, a Spanish broadcast that they do for Westwood One. Um, so Gravis is going to check in with us, and we will talk to him both about the, tonight's game, And we'll also talk about Kevin Willard and the future of Maryland basketball with one of the greatest players in the school's history that's coming up a bit later on. It's Monday, so Jeremy Kahn will check in with us. And, of course, stuff and things on a Monday edition of the program. You cannot possibly get me to care about the trade the Orioles made yesterday. I cannot fathom any human being that would spend even an ounce of energy thinking about trading away the likes of Cole Sulcer and Tanner Scott. I can't fathom it. Maybe four years ago, I could have understood you being worked up about the Orioles moving on from someone who could throw the ball really hard. Because you convince yourself. A lot of us did. Four years ago, Tanner Scott... Could throw the ball so hard that there's got to be a way to make that work. He could be, the, the you know from a baseball standpoint, the next to Roldis Chapman. We, we convinced ourselves of that. And then we saw it. And it, it wasn't it, Chief. He wasn't that. Does that mean it can't still maybe be harnessed by someone else somewhere? I don't know. Maybe. I'll bet against it at this point. But, of course, we all know anything's possible. But there was nothing that we had actually seen from Tanner Scott that suggested that Tanner Scott was going to be any sort of quality major league arm. Other than the fact that, again, he threw the ball really hard. And he definitely did that. There's no debating it. He could throw the ball. He could really hump the ball.
0: Just not for a strike.
1: Unfortunately, I hear that's important. Unfortunately, I hear that it's necessary that if you can throw the ball really hard, you've got to be able to get it into the zone. So I just can't fathom, I can't fathom having an ounce of emotion whatsoever. Can I tell you it's a good trade? Nope, sure as F can't do that. Can I tell you it makes sense? Nope, I can't tell you any of that. Who knows? It's a trade for trade's sake. It's. It, but there's no reason for us to care at all. There's nothing here. There is no there there. There's nothing it's maneuvering players that weren't factors in a roster that wasn't good to begin with and i get it we all whenever we see something that's newsworthy we think we need to have a take or an opinion or something along those lines but there just ain't nothing there man and it's not even like um this isn't even like when they dealt Jake Arietta and as, again I we've we've done the the revisionist history thing on Jake Arietta for forever. We all knew where the Orioles were at that point. They were trying to win. Jake Arietta couldn't help them win and they were out of options. They had no choice. So as infuriating as it was, infuriating as it was to watch Jake Arietta succeed moving forward when we all knew what kind of stuff he had and why it was that we believed he could be good at the moment the Orioles were left with kind of no other choice. Now, you can question all the process that got them to that point with Jake Arietta, that's fine. But the move itself, we're douchebags when we try to go back and pretend like it was a bad decision from the Orioles at that point. They wanted to win. Winning was good. Trying to win was a good thing. Continuing to give a roster spot to someone who couldn't help you win was a bad thing. This ain't even that. Tanner Scott, the best he could do could never compare to what Jake Arrieta could do. The best-case scenario with Tanner Scott at this point is that someone figures out a way to get him to throw the ball in the strike zone and he can become a solid one-inning guy somewhere. Best-case scenario. And the best argument you could make is, well, yeah, but wouldn't you like to figure that out and have him have more trade value? They tried! They tried! It wasn't happening. Yes, I get it. The guys that throw the ball 100 miles an hour don't grow on trees. I understand that. And so we always react to it a certain way. But that's all we're reacting to. It's literally the entirety of what we're reacting to is the fact that Tanner Scott can throw the ball hard. And we think that's supposed
0: to make someone an asset. And it just ain't the case. I tried to have... I felt like I needed to have a reaction to the trade last night um, because I do, this sh- do the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't find one. But, but, my, 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 my knee-jerk reaction was, well, they just made their bullpen worse. But then, and I was a, I was a big don't-trade-Tanner-Scott guy for years but he's kind of proven who he is. Like, what what he, are you he, doing? He, he has no idea where his fastball is going. I'm I'm more upset about Cole Salser because he was their only consistent reliever last no, no,
1: year. No, I hear you. But
0: what? you look foolish. Ge- I was upset about it at first, but you kind of look foolish getting upset about it because they weren't going to be good anyway. I mean, I, so what, what's w- the matter? What are we doing?
1: Like what are we doing?
0: There are things that, like there
1: are things the Orioles can do that I would actually say. I as I said before, there is zero reason. That they should have, we now know they're not going to be trading Trey Mancini at the moment, right? Because they've come to an agreement with them. But there was no reason for them to trade Trey Mancini. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Trading Cole Sulcer, I I think, comes because you're confused why someone's interested in Cole Sulcer. No effect, I get it. You could say he was consistent. But let's be realistic about this. He's a guy. That's what he is. He's a guy. You're never getting... Anything real for Cole Sulcer? It's this thing. I I still had, and I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out by name. I still had stupid people who clearly didn't read my column, but commented on it when I posted about Trey Mancini, saying, "Yes, but you want to make sure you get something for him. You can't have. uh, Look at how bad they did in the Manny Machado trade. You couldn't do anything close to that crap trade for Trey Mancini." We're so dumb. And I please continue to click on the things that we share. Continue to watch this show. We are so stupid. We think things are assets that aren't assets. Cole Solcer isn't an asset. He's a guy. That's it. If you held on to the trade deadline, you get the exact same thing. Something else you don't really want, but you can make the trade for sake of the sake of making it.
0: He's a guy that you add on to get more for Tanner Scott.
1: Maybe, like marginally more. I don't even know which one of them the Marlins want. I've I, look. If I'm the, Ma- I have no idea why the Marlins are interested in making this move either. But whatever. They God bless. Love Orioles okay. relievers. Apparently. They do have a thing for Orioles relievers. You're not wrong about. that. They also won for Wei Chen once upon a time too. They have nope. had. They for some reason look at the or <laughs> the uh, Orioles. That's the that's, that's, that's where you I wanna- find pitchers, <laughs> right? <laughs> God, very weird bit. I don't get it one bit, but that's their problem. And it ain't mine. Like I, He's a guy. The Tanner Scott part gets you worked up because he can throw the ball hard. Because we're enamored by that. It's Kyle Bowler throwing the ball 60 yards from his knees. Wow, if he can do that, he's got to be good, right? Like, no, come on, man, we know. We know the answer. Not good. And, yes, I get it. We, I, again, you can always find it somewhere else, which is no guarantee he would have found it here. Said that a million times about a bunch of different people. There are no, there is no. I've never lost a wink of sleep over Jake Arietta because I am convinced he never would have found it here. There's no world. Even if Tanner Scott finds it, what is the it he's finding? What is it? He's not gonna go win a Cy Young award.
0: He could uh, the stuff that he has. If he could harness it, you're looking maybe at a, like an Andrew Miller t- nah, t- type I'm, of thing.
1: I think Andrew Miller is a better, or far better. I think you're being you're disparaging Andrew Miller well, well, when you say that. Well, it, I think it, he's a far better pitcher. If
0: he can spot 98 and I, then throw I, that devastating slider, that's a damn good pitcher.
1: Um, it's a it's a useful pitcher. It's a useful relief arm. Mm-hmm. I I I'm not as I said. He could become a sol- if he could find it. He could become a solid one inning guy. Yeah, but. How long are you waiting around for somebody to find it? How long are we going to keep just thinking that that could come? It's just not worth it. I, know I spent way more time than I should have on this particular topic. It was not worthy of this conversation. Um, I have no idea what to make of the Orioles and Trey Mancini and this option they've added on for the following year. I have no clue. Zero. I couldn't tell you. I, I really couldn't. I guess, if anything, it buys the, well, what happens if Trey Mancini happens to have an outstanding season this year? Like it it kind of gives you a little bit of, of of help in that department. You you don't just have to trade him at the deadline. You could choose to hold on and see if he could become a helpful piece. I got a column coming today at pressboxonline.com that's sort of my start of baseball season column, if you will. It's my you call it a season preview column which is more about how I, I get it. We all know it's not going to be a good team again this year. But and it's difficult to define, I genuinely believe this is an important season. Like, genuinely. I genuinely believe this is an important season because this is phase two. Phase two is the arrival of the players that matter. Phase two is... Sure. Phase two is... Adley Rutchman. Phase two is Grayson Rodriguez. And maybe phase two is D.L. Hall. That's phase two. Because we can talk about how the Orioles are the number one ranked system in baseball. But it's because of that. Specifically because of those two guys. It's not because they have nothing behind it. They have an average system behind those guys. They have the number one system because of those guys. So their arrival is phase two of the process. Because it has to work. If it doesn't work, and I'm not trying to be hyperbolic about this, if it doesn't work with those guys, there's no path. The pitching can't get there. The lineup could still be good, but there's a limit to that. There aren't more studs. There's no cavalry I always hate using that word, not because of the once upon a time pitching cavalry, because we always say cavalry and it infuriates me. There's nothing there. I hope Heston Kerstad still at some point becomes a thing, but making any plans around that would be nuts. Colton Kowser, even if he becomes what he becomes, he's not a middle-of-the-order, game-changing bat. He's a good hitter and a guy that you want to have on your team, but he's not turning a solid group into a world-beating group. There's one guy that's that type of talent they have in their system, and that's the guy that's arriving this year. This is a really important year, and it doesn't mean if Adley Rutschman isn't Rookie of the Year that the entire rebuild is a failure. But at some point, if these guys don't pan out both significantly and quickly the legitimate timeline for all of this could end up pushing back four years to this year's number one pick. The transcendent talent is the talent that's arriving now. The rest of it is either non-existent or good players that can help as long as these guys pan out. Or their path has to change significantly. And, of course, that can always happen, right? As we talk about, nobody knew John Means was going to be John Means. Nobody knew Trey Mancini was going to be Trey Mancini. Plenty of these players can still have their path altered significantly. This is a really important season. And it's difficult to quantify that because, again, we don't expect it to be wins and losses. It's likely to be miserable. But this is a really important season because we have to start seeing it. Because if you're going to fortify with outside money being spent, it's got to be because you see enough to think that the money is worth being spent. That's my kind of beginning of the season message that I'm going to share today at PressBoxOnline.com. Yes, it's a bummer, and nobody's outside of just having baseball back. There's no reason to be excited about the Orioles, but this is a really, really important year. This is a critical year in this thing working because it ain't coming there aren't the idea that there's a bunch of reinforcements to be had is silly right now in the system it's the guys that are there already and the guys that are getting there right now and some other pieces to take nothing away from the pieces we all everybody likes Gunnar Henderson everybody likes Jordan Westberg but those guys aren't making or breaking this rebuild Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez are plain and simple they hit, you got a chance. They don't, it ain't here. There ain't enough from top to bottom in the system. This is critical mass that we're talking about. And it's it's difficult because it sounds hyperbolic when you say it that way, but we got to be realistic about this. And I'm still including D.L. Hall, but I'm sort of doing it in a measured way, right? Because I... I still have a couple of question marks. But certainly, if Grayson Rodriguez doesn't hit the way that we think he does, but D.L. Hall does, that would go a long way to making up for it. These are the dudes. This is the rebuild, what we're talking about right now. That'll be coming today at PressBoxOnline.com. You'll be able to check it out there. Today's show, also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and BuyAToyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. As I mentioned, we're going to be down to the FanDuel Sportsbook tonight for the title game. We don't have to worry about Duke, which is pleasant. Instead, it's Carolina and Kansas. Joining us now before he hangs out with us. Tonight at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland is our friend Rodney Elliott, who's back with us on GCR. What's going on, Rod? How are you, bud? Good morning, Glenn. I'm well, man. Yourself? Everything's all right. As long as we didn't have to... The moment that the the final horn sounded on Saturday night and I knew that we didn't have to worry about Duke tonight, my life was just drastically better. It was just so much. The idea that you and I were going to be hanging out tonight and there's going to be a real fear that we were going to be watching Mike Krzyzewski celebrate and cut down the nets, uh, it, it left me with a sickening feeling in my stomach, my friend. It's...
2: The feeling that I have when Duke loses um, uh, is is majestic at times. It's <laughs> kind
1: of weird, but I love it. I love I'm going to pose this to you. It's a topic that we're going to discuss here in a minute, uh, and I'm going to put it out for everybody else. Will Will that change moving forward for you, right? Because like, you know it's been a rallying cry for, like, the entire country. We all take great joy. It's not just Maryland folks. It's everybody takes great joy. In watching Duke lose, will it be the same next year when Mike Krzyzewski has gone? Will we still take the same amount of joy? Or does it disappear because you don't see his sort of smug face on the sideline any longer? Like, does it just not mean the same thing when Mike Krzyzewski loses? Will we stop carrying the same way?
2: No, I think it will always feel that way for me. And it's funny because I know I didn't have that feeling before I went to Maryland. I know I didn't. It just literally happened once I got there. So um, (laughs) years ago when I was there, I hated it. I loved beating them, um, competing against them guys, but... Yeah, I think it's
1: always gonna be the same for me. All you right, know, all don't right. Don't want to do I hope I'm I'm interested in this. I'm gonna put it out there. I want people to respond. I posted it as a think tank today at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. I am nervous about it. I'm nervous that I just won't feel the same way. Now look, if they start if they if they win maybe the same way and if John Shire proves to be just as smug as Mike Sheshewski was, I'll probably be able to work that hate back up real quick, right? I wanna make that very clear. It won't take me long. Oh, shit. But I don't yeah, know, man. I just,
2: and and, and it, 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 just, just let people know on my end, it's not like a really serious hate. Hate is more or less like a, you know, from a competitive standpoint. 100%. Not wanting to win, like,
1: I feel you. Know, you. I feel but you.
2: they've had a lot of success, though. They have a lot of success.
1: All right. So let's talk about tonight, right? The uh, I am – I'm in I'm caught in a weird place, right? I don't really have a rooting interest. I'm sure maybe you still have some Carolina hate worked up from, from the years playing against them in the ACC. That's largely dissipated for me, plus – You know, the enemy of the enemy is my friend, and I appreciate the fact they beat Duke the other night. Um, From a betting standpoint, the only thing that jumps out to me is I know Kansas has probably been better than Carolina all season long, but I don't really know right now that I think either of these teams should be four-point favorites in this game. So I think the first thing that jumps out at me from a betting standpoint is I'm probably going to put a couple of bucks on Carolina getting four points just because this looks like a pretty even matchup to me, Rod.
2: Yeah, same here, you know, from a betting standpoint. You know me, I'm always going to go with the over-and-under, so I'm going to see what that looks like, probably put a couple of dollars on that. But I do think Carolina is playing really well at a really good time right now. Um, I don't think they were ranked a lot or all at all, even all year, and to put together a string of wins that they did uh, recently has been fantastic. So um, I'm looking for them to come out and uh, really play a good Two quarters, two halves of basketball, and um, will it be close? Yeah, probably be close, so four points might be
1: safe. All right, so I'm looking at the number, by the way. At the moment, the total is 151.5, and, you know, we saw a lot of points scored, obviously, in the Carolina-Duke game. Both these teams scored 81 points on Saturday, um, and, and, like, Kansas did it against a Villanova defense that had been shutting everybody down during the course of the tournament but had no answers for them. So I'm, I'm a little bit confused about that one. Normally I like to play the under, and I get, it's the title game, right? Like there's got to be an amount of pressure that comes along with that and an intensity to it that makes every possession matter. But, boy, these are both good offenses at the moment. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm nervy about that one. 151 and a half is the number.
2: Yeah, but, you know, I chopped that in half. So am I going to say both going to get around a 75 number? I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not not a big sure about that. So I, I think we're going to hunk on and We're talking about maybe that low, mid-60s type score is, is something I'm going for. All
1: right, so you're still, you're still playing the under. You're still feeling the under tonight. Um, yes. <laughs> so the cool thing about tonight is there's also a bunch of ridiculous <laughs> props that are available for uh, players. Like you can bet, uh, for example, if you uh, want to bet <clears> – <throat> I'll give you a number. I'll give you – if you want to bet – who rj davis to score 15 points you can get plus 120 odds on that there's a bunch of silly props that are available for players i made the mistake and rode brady manic to score 20 points in the final four that didn't work out for me obviously it was the caleb love show but caleb love despite his insane performance on saturday you still get plus money plus 165 to bet him to score 20 points tonight right like the way he played on saturday Man, he's hot at the moment. I I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that might be a decent play to bet Caleb Love to score 20 points tonight. It's...
2: If Carolina wins, you're going to see Caleb Love having a good game. And a lot of good games will come with some really big-time baskets. So um, I, I, I put my money on Caleb Love because he's a big-shot maker, a big-shot taker, and also a big-shot maker. So I'm going to go for that.
1: So Also, I will point out that most outstanding player odds for tonight – they clearly, because they think Kansas is going to win, they've got um, Abaji sitting as the favorite at plus 125, but Caleb Love is sitting at 5-1 to one to be most outstanding player. And after what he did on Saturday, if they win the night, I think there's a pretty good chance that Caleb Love ends up being most outstanding player. That might be one that I choose to play as well, is Caleb Love as M.O.P. What does this game come down to you? Uh, like uh, Ultimately, the team that wins this game tonight wins it because what, Rodney? Good, good,
2: good question. I think the team that wins it tonight is because they don't make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, they don't do a lot, of, don't have a lot of turnovers. They rebound the ball well, so I'm thinking that rebound is going to be really well, really a, a big thing for for uh, Carolina to, to secure that rebound. So if they do that, they have a good chance to win. And Rebounding. I- And not a lot of turnovers.
1: Obviously, we saw Armando Bacot. It felt like he had about 100 uh, rebounds on Saturday night before he got hurt. Um, And, boy, the toughness of that kid, right? Like, it looked like... It looked like he was done, right? Like, it looked like the knee injury was just going to end his run. And two minutes later, he's running back onto the floor like, all right, let's go, bro. I don't care. Like, it's the final four, so, yeah, man. Not,
2: right? Yeah, they got one more game until it's all over with. So they're going to give everything they got. And he got to come out and get double-digit rebounds, and, 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 and that's it. I think he'll he'll be able to do that. So, no, I, I agree. Um, they got big goals going on for right now, and they also got some next-level goals. So. I'm happy Paul.
1: I, I mean it was it was an incredible testament to them. It was something incredible to see. Give me your just just because it is the end. Do, do you have a story of an interaction that you had with Mike Sheshevsky? like do you I, my buddy Jerome Bernie, who of course played years after you at Maryland. He was on Facebook the other day sharing like, a really pleasant interaction that he had with Mike Shefsky, and I was like, bro, I don't think you're allowed to say that right now. Like, I don't think that that's supposed to happen. But do you have any of those stories? Did you ever have like a conversation with him, an interaction with him that stood out to you?
2: You know what? Actually, I, I, I never did. I mean, nothing, you know, but you know, after the game, shaking hands, things of that nature. So I never had a one-on-one with Coach K, but um, I know Steve Wojnarowski very well. Sure. He's from Baltimore, so... You know, um, all the stories that he shares about um, Coach K are, are, are genuine. So he does a great job putting these guys in a position to win. does a great job with the coaching tree as well. So a lot of his guys are still, you know, coaching mm. at the high level. So, you know, nothing but ultimate respect for him. But, yeah, like you said, I want to see him go down. Of course, of course,
1: <laughs> of course that. Of course that. He never attempted to teach you how to play the game the right way, which he's done with a few opposing players over the years, which is part of the, part of the reason. Why we've always struggled with them. All right, Rodney Elliott. Um, we will be there tonight. We'll be hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook. The game. I don't know why it tips off. I've never understood why the title game tips off at nine twenty. But we're going to get there a little bit earlier than that. We're going to start getting people registered to win some great prizes. We got some uh, memorabilia we're going to give away tonight. So we'll be there at eight thirty to start registering you. And Rodney and I are going to enjoy some delicious food. And we'll give you some tips. And then we'll be hanging out during the game to um, to just give you a couple ideas of how we feel like things are going and where we think you should be putting your money betting-wise. Rodney Elliott, this has been a lot of fun, man. Appreciate you. Can't wait to see it tonight. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. No problem. No problem. I'll see you later on. All right, brother. Former Terps and Dunbar star Rodney Elliott checking in with us tonight ahead of the uh, championship game. And again, we will be there starting at 8.30 in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. I I, everybody reminds me, like my buddy Chris DeShiel was like, why is everybody still complaining about the tip-off time? It's been the same tip-off time forever. And I think part of it is we forget it's only a two-hour basketball game. Like I think we react to it like we're going to be up until 1 a.m. We will not. Like it'll be over by 11.30. Even if it goes to overtime, the game's not going past midnight. So settle down a little bit about that. But it still sucks to have to sit around and wait. I think that's the part that we don't we have to sit around and wait. And there's nothing else to watch. They don't play. Literally, the NBA takes the entire night off in deference to the national championship game. I think there's like one hockey game on TV tonight. Like there is just so little to watch otherwise. So I think we're more frustrated about that. If you could get a nice 7 o'clock basketball game, like an NBA game, that ran us right up until tip time for the national championship game, that would be pleasant if that, if they
0: didn't have the lockout, you'd have a baseball game.
1: It's true. This would have been opening day, right? Like this would have been the first day of the baseball season. So yeah, blame blame baseball for this because we wouldn't yeah. be sitting around waiting the same way. We would have had baseball to watch instead.
0: But the the nine twenty time also it gives people on the west coast who probably have to work an it, opportunity to watch the game.
1: And that's by the way, like we we do forget, and I I experienced it firsthand when I was living out there. We genuinely we we. we The East Coast bias thing is quite real, and we pretend like it's not, but it's overwhelming, and you feel it significantly when you live out there. When big events start at 4 in the afternoon, it's dreadful. It's just wretched for folks out there. By the way, they played in San Francisco. San Francisco hosted one of the um, Sweet 16 days, and the first game was at 7.20. 4:20 pacific time mm. imagine buying ticket the ncaa tournament is coming to town we got an opportunity to be a part of it oh but you got to be there by 4:20 in the afternoon
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's nuts it's nuts so i get it i get i still think there could be a more comfortable medium like maybe 8 50 p.m eastern time 5 50 pacific time mm-hmm. that gives time people time if you presume the workday ends at 5.50. It's plenty of time for you to get home and be able to watch the game at 5.50. I still think that maybe bumping it up about 30 minutes would be a better fit for everyone. Right. I get that the argument is you're trying to get kids to become fans and this takes kids out of the equation because it's a school night and they can't stay up to watch the game. And I agree to some extent that's a problem Although, you're never going to get these sports to prioritize kids over advertisers. you just We're screaming into a void. The advertisers are the ones that matter most. And the advertisers say, we don't want the game starting at 5 o'clock Pacific time. We want to be able to reach the entirety of the country at in a desirable range. So, And by the way, I don't know if you've heard, they're not selling to 8-year-olds. <laughs> That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for adults. So... You know, I hear that complaint constantly, and I get it, but come on, man. Like, we, I, I, I I, am at fault for forgetting that we do this every year. It's a two-hour basketball game. We're all going to be okay. We can all be in bed by midnight tonight without a problem, even if we want to watch the game. I got to drive back from the casino. I got to stay up later than you, and I'm not going to be the one complaining about it, so you all can chill out. Come hang out with us. You'll feel better about it. And if you got to take tomorrow off, if you have uh, one too many, uh, no big deal. No big deal. Take tomorrow off. Today's show, also brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where I, I warned you, you missed out. St. Patrick's Day menu is gone, baby, gone. But there are still always wonderful specials to be had at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, including $6.99, $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. I got... This is unbelievable. With baseball now back, you can stop by Glory Days Grill Thursday through Sunday of this week for their Danker Dog, a delicious loaded chili dog with fries for only $8.99. That sounds pretty Americana to me, baby. That sounds like baseball. All opening weekend, Thursday through Sunday, the $8.99 Danker Dog, loaded chili dog and fries, Get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Visit glorydaysgrill.com to find out more. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. I want to talk more about that. Our Duke hate. This thing that has rallied us as Americans for years. We agreed upon nothing. We hated each other. We screamed at each other on Twitter until Duke was losing a basketball game. And then we all hugged each other we called people we hadn't talked to in years to share our joy, our delight. Where does that go now, moving forward? Will we still hate Duke the same way without Mike Shashevsky? Is it over? I want to talk about that, because I had a, I had a, a sort of a, a moment on Sunday morning as I was thinking about it. Will I ever feel joy like this again in my life? Talk about it next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. <laughs>
3: Help.org. The newest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland Men's Basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship, as Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including Answering Baltimore's calls for help.
1: Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore Police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org.
5: boulevard the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard
1: them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks
5: thanks for having us man appreciate
1: it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it
5: and matt riddle yeah man. Thanks,
1: man the champ drew mcintyre oh
5: thank you for having me
1: the great ron simmons
5: Damn.
3: Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All
1: right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Monday edition of the show. Gravis Vasquez scheduled to join us in just a few minutes from down in New Orleans where he's getting ready for the title game. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. I love me some underdog can feel like you're betting you know you still can't bet on your phone or your computer here in the state of maryland which is quite silly but there's nothing we can do about that so in the meantime what i would encourage you to do is sign up for underdog when you use the code Pressbox, we will match up to 100 of free money for you to play with when you make that first deposit and while you can't actually bet what you can do is the closest you can feel like betting on your phone or on your computer here in maryland you can play player props you can play parlays baseball season about to get underway basketball winding down for the regular season but they'll continue to have contests into the playoffs hockey same thing all available underdog fantasy football download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com and get started today quickly because i had a couple people ask from derek i do not i'm not you can't get me to should the ravens trade for dk metcalf sure what does that mean I mean I it, I I don't know where this started like I feel like this was just like somebody throwing out like I had
0: <sighs> somebody threw out the eyeball emojis like last week and then got upset when people were asking what it was about which I thought was kind of a stupid bit.
1: I just don't feel like there was anything real to this. I don't feel like anybody actually was legitimately reporting that the Seahawks were looking to move DK Metcalf. Unless I missed something entirely as I was poking around about this, this feels like a creation of social media. And I know Lamar Jackson tweeted about it over the weekend, and people were tweeting him. And so, you know, there's all that. But that's not, no offense, that's not real. Like, Lamar Jackson doesn't get to make decisions for the Seahawks. So apparently this all started with Jeremy Fowler from ESPN saying that DK Metcalf can be had at the right price. So that's something. Let me be clear about that. that. That is something. A legitimate reporter did say that it was possible he could be had at the right price. There's a big difference between had at the right price and actively shopping someone. What's the right price? Is the right price what the Dolphins paid for Tyreek Hill?
0: I mean, I'm just—I'm asking, what is the right price for DK Metcalf? It kind of seemed like people out in Seattle were souring on him a little bit this past season, because uh, he'd kind of disappear in games.
1: Okay, but mm.
0: but but I mean, it really depends on what the right, right price is to uh, the God, franchise. God, God bless,
1: you know what I mean? Like people can sour him as much as they want to. The idea that that just means that the team's going to give away an asset for the sake—I don't think anybody's an giving. Away. It's just a, it's it's a matter nuts. of did the
0: Seahawks sour on him? What's that? It, 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 the, it, my point was, did yes, the Seahawks can, sour
1: it, on it, him? It, this. One, I, I would still say that if, if he's a problem, if he's someone that's causing issues within your locker room, then yes, you might look to move him at that point. Mm-hmm. But the idea that just because a guy maybe didn't have as good of a second season as his first or third season, what are we doing the math here, third season as his second, that you're just going to dump him for the sake of dumping him? I, you can say, hey, why are you holding on, D.K. Metcalf, you didn't have a quarterback? Well, presumably you're drafting one. And if you're drafting a quarterback and you're hoping that guy's going to succeed at some point, then I would think that you'd want to have targets around him. And just giving up on players for the sake of giving up on players would be an insane way for any organization to do business. It'd be bat ass nuts. DK Metcalf is going to come at a price, and a steep price. And I would need to know what that price is before I can have the conversation about whether or not it makes sense for the Ravens. Could it? Yeah, it could. It's absolutely possible that you could end up looking at it and saying, sure, I'd be willing to do that to get DK Metcalf. But without knowing that, just knowing what the going rate for top wide receivers has been, I'm going to guess that's not going to be something the Ravens are going to be interested in doing. They also had the opportunity to draft DK Metcalf once upon a time and didn't choose to do it. And as we know, the Ravens typically like to fall back on their own scouting when they make decisions like this. It's not as if they've never admitted they were wrong. They famously admitted they were wrong about Anquan Bolden when he was coming out in the draft. And they, they said that. Look, this was an opportunity for us to right a wrong. We screwed up here. We screwed up. Now, they, they went ahead and screwed up again, but that's a different conversation <laughs> for a different day. I just... This, this comes off more as we're bored and we wanted something to talk about, and so we decided to talk about DK Metcalf this weekend than anything that's actually legitimate. This comes off way more of a there's something happening on Twitter and we want to be involved in the conversation, and because Lamar Jackson got involved in it, we decided to give it some sort of credence. Believe it or not, Lamar Jackson is not the general manager of, not only the Baltimore Ravens, he's definitely not the general manager of the Seattle Seahawks. So that's kind of irrelevant at that point. Um how many what was what was the I'm trying to remember what the Tyreek Hill trade was. It was five overall picks. And I'm trying to remember it was
0: Didn't they get like a first and second first this year?
1: First for sure this year. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um I I don't I don't know. I wish I wish there was an easy way for me to pull something like this up and just you know what the exact trade was. I'll work I'll let you work on that. Um and, yes, Tyree Kill is a more overall explosive playmaker. There's no doubt about that. But DK Metcalf, at his best, because of his size and speed, is a freakish athlete. It's, it's nuts. There are few humans that look the way that he does when he has no shirt on. Um...
0: I don't think you're giving that away. Did you find it? Yep. Uh, they got first, second, and fourth round picks this year and a fourth and sixth round pick next year.
1: So some of that is throw-in, right? Like, it's it's a package that centers around a first and second. and then So they
0: got 29 in the first round and 50th in the second round.
1: So, you know, that's... If the package centered around something like that, I don't know, maybe. 16th pick and a 29th pick are definitely drastically different picks. The Ravens' first round pick this year is a different pick than the Dolphins pick that they gave up for Tyreek Hill. It's easier to give up a 29th overall pick in a trade than it is to give up a 16th overall pick. 14th. 14th. Sorry, why did I say 16th? 14th. I don't know. I have no idea why I said 16th. 14th overall pick. So, you know, if they're looking for it's got to involve a first, that becomes a bit more difficult. It becomes tougher. Not to say it's not worth doing, or that if it wasn't, if it was a first alone, I wouldn't do it. Something along those lines. It's just not. It is not nearly the same as giving up a 29th overall pick. And you also need to know what is it the DK Metcalf is looking for. You know, he's going to be up for a contract too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you need to know those things as well. All right. Let me get back to the topic at hand. Topic at hand. On Saturday night, we all get to experience the joy. There is, there is just nothing that unites us as people the way that rooting for Duke basketball to lose has united us as people. It has transcended players. There are quite a few of you that couldn't have named a player on the Duke basketball roster that were rooting like hell against Duke on Saturday. That were enjoying every moment of rooting against Duke. It has nothing to do with the 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 handful of people that have decided they're Duke fans because I, I mean, I i guess the easiest way to say is they're bandwagoners but i'm sure whatever else other reason is that it's not because they have any reason to be a duke fan there's a small there's like a two percentage of duke fans that have an actual connection to duke either because they went there or their parents went there and everybody else is just somebody that decided they win a lot so we want to root for them because we want to have a winner to root for the same way that people root for you know the yankees and notre dame and all those things at least notre dame there's a some people are. It's a Catholic connection, which makes no sense to me. But at least there's something. There's nothing with Duke. You have no. Overwhelmingly, the people that root for Duke have no touch, feel connection whatsoever with Duke at all. They just decided to root for him.
0: My grandfather, mm-hmm. who died on my birthday, he's tattooed on my arm. Mm-hmm. He went to Duke, and Got I I have no rooting interest. Th- he, in Duke. of
1: course, has great reason to have uh, some sort of connection to Duke. He's he would have been rare. In the people that root for Duke, overwhelmingly, have no reason. The only reason they have is they were good and I like rooting for a winner. Mm-hmm. That's what they've got. We know these people. We are very aware of these people that pretend to be Alabama football fans or pretend to be whatever it is. They exist all over the place. The rest of us take significant joy in rooting against Duke. And on Sunday morning, I had this epiphany, this moment of clarity. I'm sitting there saying to myself, is this it? Will I feel this way next year? Will I ever feel this type of joy again? Or does my joy in rooting against Duke center around Mike Krzyzewski and Mike Krzyzewski alone? Is it really because he's so... No one has ever smugged the way Mike Krzyzewski smugs. He is the face. They literally should just run his picture in the dictionary next to the word smug. It would do a far better job of explaining it to anyone than a definition ever could do. You just look at him and you say, oh, God, that guy. (laughs) That guy. That guy who constantly pauses... Post-game lines to say to opposing players, you shouldn't have shot that shot at the end of the game. You're better than that. Trying to coach someone else's team. Talking about doing things the right way. Being unwilling to do his own assigned in-game interviews where everybody else in the country is doing it. Being the coach at the school where the athletic director fought tooth and nail against NIL coming to college sports because it would give schools a recruiting advantage. A recruiting advantage. When his coach was doing national commercials, hosting SiriusXM radio shows, How dare anyone else perhaps get a recruiting advantage? The smug, the place where they continue to play their games at a facility unfit. And I make this abundantly clear. That facility is unfit for high-level sporting events. It is akin to deciding to play a significant sporting event at the old Towson Center. In fact, the amenities at the Towson Center are far better than the facility they have at Duke. But it's so scary important. We're Duke basketball. This is Cameron Indoor Stadium. We have to keep doing this And sure, if you want to come cover the game, you're going to have to get blue face paint all over you because we're going to allow the students to literally breathe upon your neck, but you should be grateful because you get to come to a game at our facility. It is the height of smug. The douchebag Duke fans are like, you're just a Maryland fan who hates. No, Chief, everybody hates. Everyone It's smug. And, yes, have they won five national championships? 1,000%. They've won five national championships. No one's debating that. I'd love to, but it's impossible. You can't do it. It's a statement of fact. Will we ever feel the same way? Does this, this joy that we've experienced in our lives, go away? We all remember John Shire and the stupid face and we all remember Maryland fans printing out copies of him making the dumb face and that was quite pleasant and that was a fun thing. But that's the, the extent of what we know about John Shire. He fits into Duke culture. The sort of weird looking white kid that was kind of good at basketball but not really all that good at basketball and got propped up because they went to Duke. And so, yes, if we have an inclination, it's probably to dislike him. But it ain't the same.
0: Not yet. Couldn't possibly be.
1: There's also the chance that Mike Krzyzewski will be like Roy Williams. we will keep going to all the games and we will just be sitting there like in the third row. And every time the game comes on, you look up and you're like, oh, right, you. I remember you. I hate you. Yeah, I remember now. I hate this. But I think it will not feel the same way. I don't think we will be able to take the same joy of Duke losing in the NCAA tournament. It was the second. The, the best things that can happen in the NCAA tournament were your team, your bracket, and Duke losing. It, it, would, it would just give you a feeling that, was, that you could only compare to literally winning your bracket, which, by the way, Susan Johnson, is, we'll talk about that tomorrow, but she's clinched it. She picked Kansas there. It's over. Like, the... Nobody picked Carolina, so nobody can overcome her. the The, the contest is over. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, bummer for me. I went from first place to out of the money within the span of mm-hmm. one game. Real bummer for me. But hey, it's what it what happens. All that matters is we what, we raise money for charity. And Susan, in fact, I think wants to um, donate some more money to charity because that's a very swell thing for her to do. I I, I don't think that if Duke loses to Auburn in the NCAA tournament next year it's going to feel the same way I think we'll always remember what it felt like in the past and that'll sort of rekindle something in us we'll be like yeah Duke losing right we we, we like that but I just don't think it can possibly be the same. I think Mike Krzyzewski was the face of it. He was the transcendent figure that allowed us to continue to hate Duke in such a passionate way that we could all embrace it as Americans, as a people, and I just don't think that'll continue.
0: So I agree that I think that Mike Krzyzewski was the face of it all, but there are so many times where I thought Duke was maybe a top 15 team, but because they're Duke... Oh, we enabled this entitlement and we would put the, the the coaches poll and the AP poll puts them in the top five because they're Duke even though they probably weren't good enough and it enabled that sense of entitlement from Duke so maybe seeing them come back down to earth a little bit and not get, not get that Rating that maybe they don't deserve mm. will be kind of uh,
1: will make it less fun. You wouldn't enjoy it as much because part of what you enjoyed was the fact they were getting their their due comeuppance, and they don't yeah. need comeuppance if they're no longer being falsely elevated. Well, but
0: I also think you get joy out of seeing them not be rated as highly. It, like th- th- these kids that go there, like we're Duke, we have the right. sense of entitlement. Well, now you're getting put, you're being being brought back down to earth with the rest of us peasants down beneath you. Uh, wel- Welcome to our world type of thing.
1: Chris says, of course I'll keep rooting against them. Their fans are worse than their former coach or players, and they aren't going anywhere. And I do think that's a, a relevant argument, right? Like these douchebag fans that I've talked about, these people that have no connection, they'll, you say they're not going anywhere, but I'm not sure if that's true either. I, I don't think it will take much. If Duke takes even a half step backwards, mm-hmm. I these again, these people have no actual connection to Duke. Right. None. It will not be difficult for them to decide that they want to instead embrace something else. Like, they could wake up tomorrow and decide they love Villanova. They could wake up tomorrow and decide they're all on Gonzaga. They could do whatever they want to do because they have no tangible connection to Duke. So, I do think it'll take a while for that to occur. But, and and your point might be very, for the next five years, the Duke thing, the aura will still exist and the fans being such douchebags will make it easier for us to take joy in their misery, and so I think that that plays in some way. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, you know, if they continue to to win under John Shire again, I think it'll all stay right there. I think there's no doubt about that. From uh, Paul and Ovi Lando, Duke equals the Celtics that I grew up lo- disliking in the 80s. An inordinate amount of white players that all seemingly come off as privileged punks. Even before Mike Krzyzewski, they had a white player named Kenny Denard. I remember Kenny Denard. Um, that undercut Buck Williams in the ACC tournament uh, final, and the foul wasn't called. It cost Terps the game. I remember it wholeheartedly. Well, I don't remember it, but I'm very familiar. It's, uh, it's not true. I don't actually remember it far too young, um, but I'm very familiar with the story. Um... I don't think that a lot of this predates Mike Shashevsky though. I think it's going to be very rare for you to find someone whose Duke hate pre predates Mike Shishovsky. They just weren't relevant enough. They didn't matter at that level for it to be indoctrinated into anybody else that way. Plus, we have to go back so far in order to think of that the majority of people, if if you're if you are under the age of 45, there's no chance. Like, there's just no chance that you have any hate that predates Mike Krzyzewski. Right. Um, and it's, it's still rare for even people older the, than the age of 45. From Lewis, uh, maybe we can shift it towards rallying around hating the Houston Astros for all of their cheating. Ah, uh, no, is the answer. They're just, it's not the same thing. You, it's, it, you're trying to compare it. You're trying to compare what people believe is a tangible reason for hating an organization to a bunch of kind of intangible things. There aren't suddenly fans of the Houston Astros that pop up all over the place. They didn't become some sort of pop culture thing. It it just there's no comparison between the Houston Astros and Duke basketball. The Houston Astros are a pimple on the ass. No, a bit, no offense. I mean, like they matter still because they win, right? But like, they are not a relevant national brand that exists and they're force-fed down your throat at all times and the sport capitulates to them in every way. You want to still be mad about the sign-stealing thing? Be mad all you want about it. But comparing it to Duke basketball? Come on, dude. The the Yankees are Duke basketball, of course. They're the team that is forced down your throat no matter what's going on. they, They matter. The sport doesn't matter. That's a real thing.
0: The Astros, not, not similar. Not to mention the vast majority of Major League Baseball teams at that same time were stealing well, sides. And that's a different,
1: you know, I've had that conversation a billion times. It's a different conversation yeah. for me. It's why I couldn't root. Like, I just don't root against them the way that you guys do. I didn't, I I, I found nothing during the course of, like, I, I like Dusty Baker. I kind of wanted to see him win, frankly. I, I admitted that. I, there was a part of me that was like, I kind of want to see the guy win a World Series because I like Dusty Baker, and I just don't get worked up. um the way that you guys do about the sign stealing thing, because everybody else was stealing signs, man. Yeah, I, like, never,
0: I never cared over the top about it.
1: I could never bring myself to do that. But that's a different conversation about the signs. That's not really about um, um, you know, the, the topic at hand. From Dave. Dave says, Glenn, I think it's going to take uh, at least a couple of years for us to figure out what Duke basketball is post-John Shire. In the meantime, I think there continues to be a grace period for truly hating Duke. If they ultimately end up being bad, if he cannot sustain the level that Mike Krzyzewski had, then I think it will become easier for us to let that go if letting that go is a fair way of saying it it'd be easier for us to let that go at that point maybe i mean maybe i i don't know that it'll ever be easy for us to to let it go fully i don't know if that'll ever be the case but you know it won't be the same and that's, and that's where I think it is. I do think that what your point is well taken, which is it won't be the same. Continue to get me responses to this in at Glenn Clark Radio. I want to keep talking about it throughout the course of the morning. Hey, just a reminder that you should know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. National championship game is tonight down in New Orleans. Our next guest is in New Orleans working for Westwood One. He was on the call for the Final Four for their Spanish broadcast, and he'll be on the call again tonight for the title game. He is, of course, one of the greatest players in Maryland basketball history, and it's always a thrill to welcome back to the program the general himself. He is Gravis Vasquez, and he's with us now here on GCR Gravis, it's Glenn and Paul back in Maryland. It's so great to chat with you as always, my friend. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us.
7: Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Um, wish I can go back soon, and um, it, I'm, I'm really having a great time here in the Final Four.
1: Uh, man, I mean, plus you're in New Orleans. That's your town still, right? Like, don't they, don't they still? Like, people walk around and say, "Hey, man, we love you," right? Like, aren't you still a big deal down there?
7: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it's, awesome. It's amazing to be back here. My son. My son was born here, so... That's cool, um, man. This city is a very special city to me.
1: That's really cool. I'm still bitter. It it, it didn't work out. We, Gravis is such a good dude that when we were going... To, when the Ravens were in the Super Bowl back in 2013... He had messaged us a couple weeks earlier. He was like, Hey man, you guys can come hang out with me while you're down here. Then then of course it sucked. The Pelicans were on the road the whole week. It was a real <laughs> bummer that it worked out that I way. Mean, yeah. Oh man, it was so nice of you to offer that though. Graves, it's great to catch up with you, man. I let me let me pose it to you this way, right? Like you're you're a broadcaster now, you got a job to do, you gotta call things down the line. I understand that. But we also know that you had some legendary battles with Duke over the years. Is that you know how the rest of us react when Duke loses and when we get to see that? It's 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 like you know it's like winning our own national championship, right? Like we are so happy to watch it. Is there any part of you that still had any of that feeling on Saturday night when they go out? Like, okay, yeah, I know I'm not supposed to say it out loud, but like, <clears throat> it's still Duke basketball that we're talking about. I'm still happy to see him lose. Well, um, you
7: know, life changed, and then uh, now I'm 35 years old. I love the game of basketball and and to me uh, uh it was quite an honor playing against Duke and, and Coach K and, and you know going through the whole context of this of this final four and and having Coach K retire and and watching the probably the best or, or the most interesting rivalry between uh Duke and, and Carolina and and to me talking about you know being a broadcaster is is the best rivalry in sport in America. I mean, you can talk about Yankees and Yankee Boston, and they don't have enough games played like, like these two teams, these two programs have played. And, and just watching the game live, if you love basketball, I mean, you, you wanted the whole story to be different, but a lot of credit to UNC because, to me, they already won a national championship. Why? Because they beat Duke Hmm. Hmm. when he hurt the most. Hmm. They beat Duke at at, at the last home game for Coach K. They beat Duke at at the ACC tournament in the final. And they beat Duke in the final four. I mean, what kind of pressure they have to play tonight? To me, no pressure at all. On the other hand, what a tremendous career for Coach K. And and you always got to respect your rival. Your rival. Uh, um, I went to you know I went to Maryland. I love my school. Uh, Maryland gave me everything, and and, and basically because of Maryland, uh, I went up to the NBA. But I tell you this, it was really really cool. interviewer, John Shire, competing against him, and now he, uh, having a friend relationship and 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 seeing him progress as a head coach of the university of the University of Duke is. It's something else, you know, and and at this point of my life, uh, as much as I hated Duke, uh, I was, I mean, I was, I was, I was unbelievable thankful for the the days of when I I beat them and they yeah, beat man. me, and, and 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 when we competed against each other. So uh, it was it was it was a quiet day on on, on Saturday, and and and, and uh, I mean I saw a lot of history. And it was seventy thousand people in the building while I was calling the game and in Spanish uh, through Westwood One, and it was one of those days where uh, I was so proud to to be involved with basketball.
1: I mean, I I look, <clears throat> there'll be Maryland fans that will hate the would so would just rather you say no, I hate them, but I get everything you're saying, and I I appreciate the fact that you have such reverence and respect for those matchups and how much they meant to you, and 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 interesting to see. The way that it, it goes moving forward. The other thing that you said in there, Gravis, that was really interesting to me do you worry at all about a letdown for Carolina? Like, haven't done everything that went into that? I mean, this was the game of the century, right? Do you at all worry that they couldn't possibly be up for tonight the way that they were for that
7: game? I mean, totally. I, 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 uh, I underestimate North Carolina because I'm based in Miami and. I watched the game. I went to the game where they played UM, the University of Miami. And it was a horrible game for them. They lost by 20. And if we wouldn't have asked me, oh, do you think, uh, you think uh, UNC is going to make the tournament? I was like, no. I mean, that, what a different program. Uh, Hubert Davis looked uh, rare on the sideline coaching UNC. I, I, used to watch, I used to see Roy Williams. And then all of a sudden, a week before the tournament started, they they made the tournament. and They won the ACC tournament, and now they in the Final Four. And I, you know, I I was talking about previous to the game on Saturday. I was like, you know, I had experience playing against Duke when uh, I beat them, and I was talking highly of myself. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> the following day, they beat us by thirty. And yeah. On television, I never forget that. <laughs> you know, like, I say well, I say like I was going to play in my house. Yeah, I remember it well. And then, and then Coach William almost killed me because <laughs> I put my team in, in a tough situation. And that was a rookie mistake for me. And, and, and then I remember that. So on Saturday, I was like, no way. I mean, I don't see Carolina beating Duke. I mean, knowing Coach K and the way he prepared his team and, and the way he uh, dealt with obstacles, uh, I, thought, I thought Duke was going to beat them by 10. But on the other hand, uh, Duke guys has have such a young program. I mean, such a young roster with with a lot of freshmen and sophomores. Their best player, Paolo uh, Banquero, is yeah. a freshman. Yep. I mean, probably number one pick in the draft in the NBA draft. So the, those guys they have to handle so much pressure throughout the whole year that it was it was you know Coach K was right. It was it wasn't really about him. It was about his players and how he can protect his player from what happened. Uh, on Saturday, and and, and unfortunately they, they lost. And once again, a lot you have to give Coach Hubert Davis a lot of credit. You know he changed the the UNC program and how he changed it. You're talking about primary break and secondary break offensively. They don't have the secondary break, and and the, and, and that often was installed by the the, the uh, legendary coach Dean Smith. So you're talking about he changed. All, the, the, the system offensively, which, which he love a lot. I mean, he Carolina plays a lot of peak and roll. It's like an NBA program. They play a lot of peak and roll. He's doing things that you don't see Carolina uh, done in the past. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong because he's in the Final Four. He's playing for to win a national championship right. tonight. Right. So I, I I give credit to, to Coach uh, Davis for the, the, what a job he has done. Unbelievable, and the way he's handling himself, talking to the media, and 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 honestly, if you ask me about the game tonight, Kansas is the best team, but Duke was the best team, and and, and UNC find a way to beat them. So yep. UNC has been the underdog in this final four, and and, and I don't know whether Armando Bacup is going to be back because I, I saw his ankle uh, getting sprained he he really hurt his ankle he was limping yesterday and and not having armando bakco uh for the game is gonna really be hurtful for uh to Juan c
1: uh, he had what, a thousand rebounds on Saturday. my God he was, a, 21
7: rebounds, <laughs> it was man.
1: nuts man. He
7: dominated it was, the, the, it was the nuts. Paint.
1: And, it, look, he says he's going to play tonight, but to your point, Gravis, how effective is he, right? Like, can he play at that level given what he's dealing with? We're going to have to find that out. Gravis Vasquez is with us. He's calling the title game tonight, uh, the Spanish broadcast for Westwood 1. Gravis, so what does tonight come down to for you? Like, the, what, what does this game, what, the team that wins tonight will win because what?
7: Well, I, I think it's going to be an unbelievable game. If you talk about Bill Self and the, and, and the University of, of Kansas, they've done a tremendous job. Uh, I said that even before the first game. Uh, I mean, Kansas is the most talented team out there. Uh, They're well balanced in terms of roster, unbelievable, well coached. Uh, and you've got to give credit to Bill Self. So I think, I think Kansas have to do something tonight. They have to run out of the gym be unc uh i think unc uh is a little tired and 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 we'll see how armando bake up the f- huge factor mm-hmm. and, and his presence is going to be important but if you want to win this game and you kansas you just run like your life depends on it hmm. you have to run you have to outrun them and, and 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 to me that's the major key for uh kansas i mean they play fast one thing they did different in the first game they were hitting threes. They shot around fifty percent or a little less, and that's unusual. That's out of character for them. I mean, they don't hit that much, that many threes. I mean, throughout the tournament, they hit Providence and they uh, and they shot really poorly the, uh, from the three point line. Same thing against uh, University of Miami. So you're talking about if they hit in the three and they're running. And and, and and being fast, I think it's going to be hard for UNC to beat them. But uh, like I say, on the other hand, you don't know what to expect. Because one thing about playing basketball or one thing about doing anything in life, if you don't have any pressure and you're talented, you're probably going to have a better chance to, to win. And I think Carolina is not, is not having any, any type of pressure. Everyone was talking about Duke. Everyone was talking about the first game. But no one thought about Carolina. And like I say, they already won a national championship. They be probably one of the best or the best coach as of right now in college basketball. And and they've been in three times when he hurt the most. So you're talking about rivalry. They already done a tremendous job. So I think they come out tonight playing their basketball. They're gonna give us the best. Hopefully, Armando Bacab will be on the floor so he can be the the best. Final four, we can't ever, we can
1: watch. I hope so too. I really hope so too. It gives you a far better game if you got everybody out there. All right, Gravis. Um, have you had a chance? Like, do you know anything yet about Kevin Willard? Have you Have you asked anybody about him? Have you attempted to maybe make contact in any way? And 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 what do you make of the future of the Maryland basketball program with Kevin Willard as coach?
7: Well, I finally see. Um, well, first of all, a. I saw Coach Manning last night we were a at this event for what we won and I thank him for what a tremendous job taking you know leadership yeah at the toughest time of our program know have to be thankful uh same thing I want to thank Coach Sturgeon for what he has done for our program i think i think you know you guys know me uh uh he when we don't see success in Maryland basketball and I don't think it was really his fault uh Coach Turgeon is a is a great coach. He just never match. He never match up the 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 personality and and the passion that Maryland needs. And 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 what Gary. I mean Gary plays a tremendous role. And and I think we never really accepted him, and, and he really didn't accept us uh, because it, it it was never a balance. And and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. And I uh, I think uh, I think he done. A tremendous job dealing with a lot, and and it wasn't really his fault, but you know he got to take responsibility. I think he's a great man with, with a great family. Put a, put a lot of NBA players. Uh, sure. But we never won. We never won games that matter. <laughs> yep. And 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 it was hard. You know, it was painful for everybody. So I think we, you know, I took I take responsibility. I'm, I'm part of the University of Maryland. You have to take responsibility because you got to hire some somebody that match up the personality, the passion, that understand uh what is what what is what 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 it takes to coach Maryland. And 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 you got to put Gary Williams, the goat, the 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 best coach I ever coached in my opinion, uh, the best school in the world, which is the University of Maryland. So I think Kevin Willow, uh in terms of passion, uh in, in terms of fire uh he match up he match up that for our school so hopefully he does a good job one thing they got to do and, and and this is to everyone at our school they, they we have to come back together we have to bring everyone together again former players everyone i think i, I think they they got to get us more they got to get us more involved and um i know one of the assistant coaches tony skin he is a good friend of mine he, yeah. he was trying to reach out to me and and i i think we we got to figure out a way to, to, to make this about school and, and to be more unified and understand that it's irritating not being in the tournament and not doing things proper for, for a basketball program. I think I, I wasn't really involved, but I, uh, I'm going to be more involved from now on. I mean, my alma mater means so much to me and my family and, and put me in a situation where I can feed my my kids and, and, and help others. So I think Coach Willer has a tremendous responsibility and And we're all going to be watching you know we wanna we, we, there's no pressure at all, but we we want be we want to have success these coaches are getting paid to get a job done. you know what I mean you get your job done and, and and get us back on top, get us back at the best level of basketball we can be and, and get everyone involved. I think when, when you have that job you, you you have to fulfill your leadership and 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 you're getting paid for it. You know, it's not like you're doing this for free. Right. So if, you're getting, if, if you're getting paid for for it, you have to be able to do the best job. And and and, and I went to Maryland a couple times. I know we're doing a lot of different things around the school, a lot of infrastructure. Uh, we, we're remodeling a lot of things on campus. But well, it's time for us to start winning some basketball games. You know, and, and I say that because he he, he I, I care. And, and, like I say, I take responsibility as well. I think I have to be wow. more involved and I have to go back more. Wow. And, and, and I think Coach Willer is, you know, he's the right man for the job. So hopefully he gets it done.
1: I, I, boy, you know Maryland fans are going to love hearing you say that, Graves Vazquez. They want to have you involved as much as they could possibly have you here. Let, let me, if I could, and, and I'll wrap with this, if, if, is there any advice that you would have, you know, for a new coach? You talk about the personality being a fit. But what does it take beyond that in order to succeed at a place like Maryland? You know, you guys obviously, you know, you want to share the ACC and my god, we still I get chills when I think about the name Corey Lucius cuz what you guys could have done that year. Oh my uh, god, yeah, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like you, you. you know what it takes to succeed at a place like Maryland. What what would you tell, you know, you know Tony Skin, or David Cox or Kevin Willard about what it's going to take to get Maryland basketball back to that place and to, to stay at that place and constantly succeeding.
7: You know, it's simple. It's very simple. Life is simple. You've got to keep it simple, man. You've got you to gotta know KYP. You've got to know your personality. When I say KYP, it, it, I say, what's Maryland? What's the University of Maryland? What's the personality? What is our identity? What is our, our DNA? And we are passionate. We're emotional. We, 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 we express our emotion uh, by playing basketball, playing football, playing soccer. One of the best uh, soccer programs in the nation. No question. Uh, uh, always competed in, in, in football. In every sport, you're talking about hockey, lacrosse. We, we are we are a school that whenever anyone talk about us, we, they talk about fire. They talk about we, we care. Uh, we, we, we express a lot. Throughout our emotions, and 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 first you have to match that. Second thing, you know, you you got to do what you do best. That's what you're getting paid for. You got you got to coach basketball. You gotta you gotta get a group of guys that can play well together and win some basketball games. You have to you have to, I will say, plan the seed in terms of confidence. One thing that Coach Williams did at uh, a high level, he made uh, players like like C players, meaning like not really talented players Mm -hmm. or not really the high-profile players, into NBA players. Yep. You know what I mean? And one of them is me. You (laughs) talk about Steve Blake. You talk about uh, Juan Dixon. You're talking about players that...
1: Yeah, you guys weren't McDonald's All-Americans.
7: Exactly. Players that did an unbelievable job taking advantage of the opportunity. I mean, if you're going to bring the high-profile players, which, you know, is part of the game, it's part of your job, then make it play together as a team. Because one thing we did well my four years of school and previous of my four years when you watch the history of Maryland basketball, we were a family. We were a team. And to me, that's the hashtag. We are family. If we act like it and, and, and we walk like it, I think we're going to be fine. The biggest thing is, I don't think, we, I, and, and I say this with, with a tremendous responsibility. In the last few years, I haven't seen my family being together. Everyone mm. is spread out. It's not connection between all of us. And I, like I say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making anyone responsible. I yep. put myself first in the list. Like everyone has to be together. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. So I, th- I thought we we just done doing a good job by being together. By by keeping the family tie, by working hard in, in in our relationship, and 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 believe it or not, that's part of winning. Those, those little details are important. Bring everyone back, get everyone involved. You know what I mean? We want to know what's going on, and I think we everything is so hidden, and 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 and, and we haven't really been involved on in anything. Yeah, no, no one really called me when. <laughs> And I'm not saying that I expect the call because I'm not the most. No, nah,
1: but kid. but you're an important person, bro. You're, you're, dude, you you're you don't have to apologize for this. There should definitely be contact, man. Like, you know, you want to have a highly successful bet. Ba- as as Len Elmore said to me, you know, they never hire an assistant coach at Duke who's not an alum, right? Like, and it's it's been. And that's
7: another thing. Yes, you're right. I mean, talking to John Shire. Right. And you're talking to John Shire, a good friend of mine, competed against him. What a, what a level of respect we have for each other. I mean, you're talking about, like, there's no one from Maryland out there. You know what I mean? Yep. There's no one, like, really uh, with, with uh, you know, with Maryland, blah. And, and like I say, uh, it's it's just something for future reference. If we're not going to be there, at least get us involved. Right. You know what I mean? And, and and more so to be respectful because you have to respect the game and you have to respect people. Let, let, for this for, for this instant, for this moment... Let us just have Coach Willard do what he does best. Let let let's give him an opportunity, right. and, and I'm willing. You know why? Because it's not about Graves. It's not about Juan. It's not about Steve Blake. It's not about the former players. It's about the University of Maryland. It's about the, our basketball program, and and that is the that is the boss. So whatever our basketball program programs need, that's what we have to do, and and, and in order for us to do that. That's gonna help us to win games. That's gonna help us, you know. I I, I, I was telling uh, coaches last night. I said, I wish I can call a game, call again in Spanish for my for my alma mater mm. in, in in English and in in the Final Four. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm. I I want to see my team back. I mean, I, I, and I and 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 you know, I gotta do my part too, and and and. And that's why I say, like, hey, I, I'm willing. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm tired of, like, all through all this year, like, everyone just being spread out. And then and, and bring us back. And, and, and bring us back together.
1: Brother, you got us ready to run through a brick wall right now, the way you're talking about this, man. You are fired up, and that passion is real. Oh, man, that is incredible. Gravis, is there anything else we can plug for you? man? You always have so many wonderful things that you're doing for your people, and I know how much you mean to everybody in Venezuela. Um, Is there anything you got going on that we can plug for you besides tuning in tonight for the the Spanish broadcast and the title game with Westwood One?
7: No, man, I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, I won won Maryland back in the map. That's the biggest thing. I help. I help a lot of my people. My people can wait right now. I, I want to be more involved with the school that uh, gave me a chance to be who I am as of right now. And 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 that's the biggest thing to me. Like whenever I, I watch college basketball and and working in the Final Four just made me just make me itchy of when I'm gonna see my school back here. Well, I'm, I mean, uh, when is she gonna be uh, again? The, the, Maryland basketball, we always saw when you know back in those days, and 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 obviously, and I say this, and I'm gonna say it for the rest of my life until I die. I mean, Coach Williams, thank you. Uh, Gary was my, my kind of like my stepdad, and still is. Uh, we still have contact. What he has done uh, for for the school, I mean, if you ask me. Hopefully, the, the directors and everyone on, on top understand that Coach Williams should be leading basketball, whether whether it's on the floor. You know, he won't be able to do that right now, but off the floor, yeah, you gotta keep him involved. You gotta you gotta help. You gotta give him the lead for him to make decisions. And 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 to me, I, I'm sure you know, like 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 I am Gravis. I don't know whether he wants it or not, but I think if somebody should be making decisions It should be gary you um, know what i mean because he earned it I, and and we got to respect that, like i say we need we need to see more people from maryland sitting on that bench But, but, but i be i'd be remiss and our
1: kids. gravis i'd be remiss because a couple of people have brought it up there is still an, another assistant spot that needs to be filled and and we know that you you did dip your toe into coaching is is that something you'd be interested in is it something that you'd want to do
7: well like I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost honest and in, in one phase. I mean, I would love to, but if, but if I don't get it, uh, which I think I won't get it, no, because no, because I'm not good enough. Maybe I, I I'm not really, uh, uh, I don't really have the time as of right now because of everything I'm doing. Sure. But at least a phone call. You know what I mean? Yep. Hey, yep. As you about to coach. Yeah. I mean, you will I I think that's out of respect and everything. I have I have done for my school? I think that's something that I don't think we're doing a good job, and and, and we got to start from there. But like I say, I'm a good friend with Tony Skin. Yep. I think Tony was trying to reach out to me. He spoke to a few friends, and I think you know, knowing Tony, he's from the area, play at George Mason. I mean, he, he's going to bring that passion. I remember playing against him pickup games. So, uh, but, but. Things have to be done right, and I think we haven't done things the right way. And 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 that also that that is not related with basketball. That's just making decisions, proper decisions, uh, directing everything out of the court. And, and that's why it's hurting us. I mean, you gotta respect the game. You gotta respect people that was there, and and I think and and I think you know by not counting on them or or, or just. It just a, a simple phone call uh, is is just gonna hurt us. It's gonna you gotta be pay, you gotta be paying attention to little details, and and I believe in that. I believe in that, and I say this with with all respect. I mean, uh, what about what about Eric Hayes? What about uh you know Dino Gregory? What about Landon Mill, What about uh, Sean Mosley? Uh, those guys, get them involved. You know, I'm with or even you. Steve Blake, one uh, Dixon. I Man, maybe one didn't want to take a job because I know one. One maybe wanted to be a head coach, and rightfully so. You know, you 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 have aspirations, and and I, and I understand the process and the filter and all that stuff. But keep us involved okay. because we care about our school.
1: Gravis, I need you to apologize to the folks at Westwood One for me. I made you late to a meeting today, and I'm so sorry about that. But I just didn't want to let, stop you because you were fired up this morning, brother. It's it's always so good to catch up with you and. Love to hear your passion, man. Let, let's let chat again soon and, and enjoy the title game tonight. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning.
7: No, no. Thank you, guys. Much love.
1: Appreciate you. Gravis Vasquez, one of the greatest players in Maryland basketball history. And, whew, there was a lot there, man. I mean, there was a lot there. Boy, you could hear something. With We touched something this morning with Graves Vasquez where – He's a thousand percent right. I I'd like a phone call. I mean, I I feel like I've deserved that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he doesn't have a lot of it. He coached a little bit um with the Pelicans G League team a couple years ago in Erie. And I he's a hundred percent right. I, I, I we make it seem trivial, right? And and Len brought, was the first to bring this to my attention. Len was like, Look, man, this is look at how they do things at Duke. It's always former players. And somebody would say, well, okay, well, they've had more success over the years, right? Like, there's more of a, a group to maybe call into. But the way that it matters, that we are the representatives, that when you come here, you understand there's a place for you, mm-hmm. that this doesn't go away because a coach changes, because it, you, this is, you know, you use that word family, and you could say it's trite, but let's just throw it out there. That family word matters. I, I don't think that's nothing.
0: And you have prominent players who are in coaching, like Juan Dixon, the greatest. And, coach, and look, Juan Juan was
1: an assistant, obviously at Maryland. They mm-hmm. did they did bring they gave Juan that opportunity. He parlayed that into a head coaching job. So, like, I, and by the way, that I think is also supposed to be part of the concept, right? Like, right. You, when you're out recruiting, you want to be able to say to a kid, "Hey, if you get into this and you decide that co- you want coaching to be your path, we're a place that gives you opportunities." to come back. We can't guarantee it to you because you only have 3 assistant coaches at any one time, mm-hmm. but look at look at how we do things. We give guys that want to do this chances to come back and be a part of the program and learn and per- perhaps become head coaches themselves. Juan Dixon should be the example of that.
0: You're part of this this college long after you graduate
1: right that we will we will have your back and we will give you those opportunities keith booth got that chance juan dixon got that chance dave dickerson got that chance but it's a small group that we're talking about of of legitimate players that matt Kavaric, i guess got that opportunity he wasn't certainly a player the way they were um but like it's a very small group of players that have gotten that chance to come back and be coaches and to gravis's point it wouldn't surprise me. Eric Hayes was the son of a coach, right? Like it wouldn't surprise me. What? was he the son of? Oh, you know, Steve Blake was the son of a coach. I gotta think of Eric Hayes. I feel like there was coaching in Eric Hayes' background. Maybe I'm wrong about that, so I apologize in advance. Um, but there absolutely have to be other guys that would be interested in that. Taj Holden, of course, went to coach. I think Monmouth was where he was. There are plenty of guys that would love the opportunity to come back and be a part of it. Make a phone call. Find out. There should be at least one spot on your staff that could be available to a former player to help be part of this connection between the program and the past right. and you know to grave is this point look it might not work out for me because time you know the other things i got going on being an assistant basketball coach might not be the spot for me but let's talk about it let's right. find out maybe it is maybe there is a role in which i could help out and be a part of this and if not at least the phone call could, could go a long way towards more involvement, towards being a part of what it is that we're doing and helping out with you and trying to get more kids and helping to keep the community fired up about Maryland basketball and supportive and things along those lines. And yes, that's not as important as getting really good players and mm-hmm. winning. Like that's always gonna be the most important thing. But I don't think it can be dismissed as part of the solution either.
0: He's clearly dying to be a part of the program and it can help you get better players when they see those to your point earlier, when you when you see former players who were stars there, they're coming back they want that, that same path as well. I think that helps you get better players if you bring back your past stars and make them part of what you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, it's a reminder to everybody. Like, well, however this works out for you, there's always a place for you here. Yeah. However this ends up working out for you, whatever you do going forward as a player, there will always be a place for you here to be involved. And it's not as if there are no alums that are involved. I want to make that very clear, mm-hmm. right? Like, Walt Williams, of course, is involved with radio and you know there are other alums that are involved with the university but it's not like it is at other places at other places it's it's constant right here it's more fleeting it's more you know like Lonnie Baxter lives in the area now and we didn't see him at a Maryland game for like 15 years after he left it took forever for us to just see him at a game again um you know you'd like for there to be more of a connection I you,
0: love hearing Steve Souter on the football calls uh, sure i, I, I mean, used to watch him. Right, he's yeah. one of my favorite players i, I sure. love hearing him sure back that's, in the a, book. that's a good thing
1: and look mott williams is part of it so it's not like yeah. they don't do that um but the, yes the idea that there should be more involvement i again we can be we can say it's trivial and we wouldn't be wrong to say it's trivial because never it's more important to get really good players it's more important to coach really well mm-hmm. um if if carolina wins tonight it'll probably have more to do with hu the, the job that hubert davis has done then it does have to do with their connection with their former players, right? right? But I don't, I don't think we can dismiss it either. I don't right. think we can dismiss it as nothing. And I think Gravis, speaking about it so emotionally is, emotionally, is appreciated because I think sometimes you need a, kind of a kick in the ass to say, look, what are, what are we doing? Get on the phone. I like Kevin Willard. We're in, I'm inclined to like him. He did a good job at the press conference. Obviously, we had a great interview with him. Um, he comes off as a likable guy. Get on the phone. Gravis Vasquez is a dynamic, beloved figure within this community. He was one of the most joyful, not just because he was good, but the style with which he played was so in, pleasant and enjoyable. He's a beloved figure. Get on the phone. Make the call. He wants the call. You're not going to annoy him. Make the call. Make the connection. Establish that moving forward. We're running late. Jeremy Kahn's going to join us here in a minute. We, got, we do need to get a break. We have to get a break. Uh, today's show is also brought to you by the Baltimore Police Department. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Jeremy's next, Glenn Clark Radio. <laughs>
5: It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms.
4: Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs.
1: Come in for glory burgers, glory wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy the award-winning burgers, ribs and wings or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for daily specials every weekday like $7.99 burgers on Mondays, $6.99 nachos on Thursdays and Taco Tuesdays. And watch all of your favorite games at Glory Days Grill with 25 screens and private speakers at every table plus game day drink specials visit us at glorydaysgrill.com
3: for a location near you glory days grill great food good sports The newest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, we celebrate the 20th anniversary of Maryland Men's Basketball's 2002 NCAA Tournament Championship, as Gary Williams reflects on how the program rose from the ashes of NCAA sanctions to the pinnacle of the sport, and why his perspective of the title run has changed now, two decades later. Plus, Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and the rest of the team relive the moments that ultimately led them to cutting down the nets in Atlanta. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including... The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the
1: perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today.
3: If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcasts. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Whew. Still, uh,
1: Still sort of um, recovering from that uh, just fire. It felt like Graves Vazquez took us to church this morning. Appreciate him taking the time for us here on GCR as we continue in hour number two of the program. Today's show also brought to you by Simply the Bets, where we will be back tomorrow morning, 11.40 a.m., start uh, putting the Masters sort of in vision for this week. Simply the Bets, every Tuesday morning, 11.40 a.m., as we chat with Aaron Oster from VEASAN out in Vegas, as well as Bruce Billick, the general manager of the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And uh, we will also have a Thursday edition of Weekend at Bookies for you this week, Thursday morning at 11.40 a.m. All that coming up this week, Simply the Bets and Weekend at Bookies. See how uh, this man fared at his bookies this weekend. He, of course, is our buddy from the Big Bad Morning Show, 105.7 The Fan. And you see his picks every day, pressboxonline.com. What's going on, Jeremy Kahn?
6: I couldn't just stop thinking about... uh Simply the best. That's exactly. I'm that's, more than the rest. Yeah, something like that.
1: That like was the concept. And by the way, I would be willing to redo the open of the show to you performing. I would
6: sing it too if you want me I to. I
1: swear to God. we. I, right. I, if you do that, if you go in tomorrow and you send me that, I will play it every week to I'll open change the, the words.
6: show. I'll even, I'll, like, I'll drag it out to make it. Um... Just as horrible as I possibly Oh, do. that's what I need in my <laughs>
1: life. That is what I've been waiting for is Jeremy Kahn singing a show open. I'm pretty sure at that point I just say I've made it. I think yeah. I just retire because it gets no better than that. And um, then I'll have to follow up with the panic at
3: the
6: disco, hey look Ma, we made it. Correct. It's just gonna be Done. It's just gonna be a yeah, new career for me.
1: Done. I love everything about it. So last it's, week I was Oh yes!
0: Last week I was trying to look up something random and funny to me anyway. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed. I have a I have a slight lisp. Okay. And I was in the car and I was trying to look up stuff for, from Simply the Bets as I was coming here. So I'm using voice to text. Uh huh. And I I'm talking. Simply the bets. Ah, uh, but on, it just on, keeps on, on Google and it kept yeah. it kept searching simply yeah, the bet. That's simply rough. the beth. Real right. And I couldn't get it to not search simply the beth. And it was it was
6: pissing me off. And you know, Mike Tyson said
1: he had the exact same problem when he was trying to look up simply the bet.
6: <laughs> it's funny because like I could just imagine how hilarious and frustrating that is all at the same time <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 i'm like I, I'm, I'm literally like are you kidding me and it, <laughs> it happened like five times
0: before i just said. did you slow it
6: down and go simply the bad <laughs> yes yes and it
0: still went simply the beth i was like get the hell out
6: the,
1: here. Er, the ironic part is i believe that jeremy has been subscribing to simply the beth on only fans for about <laughs> yeah. six months now <laughs> it's so
6: good
1: Oh, oh man. man. All right. Uh, how, how was your weekend? How'd, how'd you do? How was the, how'd the final um, four treat you?
6: I gotta be honest. Like, and I, I said it on my, my show today that March Madness this is the worst March Madness I've ever had. And like, I mean, look, you can look at the picks and see it. It's been, as I call it, a very public tournament, meaning that, uh, you know, look, I'm a fade, the public guy, the money's going one way, I'm going the opposite yep. way. And I'm not telling you, look, Vegas is always going to win money and you got to understand with a 10% big on most bets, um, You know, that that helps alleviate some of the stress if you have seventy percent of the public betting on one side. Like, you know, you always are gonna have some sort of money coming in, even if you're sending out money. So it offsets some of the losses. But um but with this tournament in specific, like this weekend, everybody bet Kansas, everybody bet UNC. I'm gonna say everybody, but the higher percentage. And sure enough didn't work out. Um, you know, you go back to the the round before that. Saint Peter's run finally runs out. But the fact of the matter is, like, people were betting them on the money line after they won the first week, just hoping it happened. And sure enough, they go on this amazing run and start beating teams that, in my opinion, they had no business even being in the game with. But, uh, but yeah, it, it hasn't been a, a very good March Madness. And the other thing is, be careful at the end of the season with the NBA, because you've got teams that are obviously tanking and teams that are trying to win. Um, as I was looking at something, the Brooklyn Nets playing the Cavaliers coming up this week. I've got to see the date that it's actually happened, because there's three games left. The Cavaliers game is the most important to them. They have to win it. If they win that, they're guaranteed a 7th or 8th seed, um, which would be better than being in the ninth or 10th, obviously, with with how the the thing's constructed.
1: Meanwhile, the Phoenix Suns have already locked everything up, have played like dog do for the last couple of games.
6: Yeah, which is a little concerning, but I think they figured out, and then they'll have a relatively favorable matchup in round one. But I don't think people realize how good this Suns team is. and conversely speaking, how good that Grizzlies team is. The Grizzlies are twenty and two without Ja Moran. It's
1: unbelievable. It's not it's... a
6: lot of household names. You got you know guys like Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams still hanging around. Dylan Brooks is back, and it's just it, it looks a lot like outside of Jaw, it looks a lot like the old Pistons team um that made their run with not a lot of superstars but just a ton of good role players that know their roles
1: even my guy uh, santi aldama from loyola has been getting some run of late for the yeah. grizzlies which has been cool to yeah. see i've been really happy about that yeah you know, the other
6: thing i just found out is from the wu-tang series ah. i didn't know this the guy that's playing method man okay was a basketball player at towson university wait what yeah <laughs> i love that show hang on a second Man, he's like—he just got signed to a label too. I think. I think his rap career is going to take off. Holy he crap! He has like two first names. Like his last name's Earl or David or something.
1: I had um, no idea. I'm really mad at myself for not knowing that because I want to get yeah. that guy on the show now. Damn it! If yeah, you're going to beat me to him, and I'm going to be really mad about that. No, well, no,
6: I don't really change. Like you do a look. I got to say this. You do a phenomenal job of getting people on the show and finding. I don't know who's who's in charge of that or tracking them down. I mean, you get my sorry ass every Monday. But like you know, but finding would, some of these would, gems that you. Guys
1: you're have. You're, you're, the, you're the headliner for the week. What are oh, you talking about? That's how you get yeah.
5: the other guys like Jeremy come on. Yeah, correct. If you, on, you, yeah,
1: correct. If you this yeah. is the show that has Jeremy Khan. They're like, well, we yeah, just went course. on Jeremy Khan's show. We're like, no, no, no. We're <laughs> the show that has Jeremy Khan. <laughs> but I thought that was super
6: so. cool because somebody uh, who was it that just tweeted out his picture of him in a Towson uniform. It was it was really
1: cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh, I'm I'm totally on it. David Brewster is that his
6: name? Uh, I thought his last name was different. Uh, no, David. that's him.
1: That's him. He is went it? to Towson. David Brewster is his name. I had no clue, man. He mm-hmm. definitely played basketball at Towson in 2008, 2009. Holy crap, man. Oh, you have taught me something today, Jeremy. Thank you very cool. much. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. That goes a long way. Hey, have I talked to you? Are you watching Winning Time, by the way?
6: It is by far. Like, I can't wait to get home. Like, I didn't get to watch it last night. N- I cannot wait to get home and have downtime and just sit out of A thousand
1: watch it. percent. I watch. I
6: like. I love the NBA. I love basketball. I love the history of the sport. I can't wait for Larry Bird to get introduced. Yeah. Um, but I love everybody that's playing every character on the show. I think they found. You know, I don't know who else is up for it, but perfect fits for a lot of those spots. Dude, in the
1: first episode, when they cut to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar filming airplane and the scene with the kid, and then yeah. they like they 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 stop. They cut. And then the kid's like, actually, Kareem, you really are my favorite basketball player. Can I get an autograph? And he says, F off, kid. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. Like, I'm doing roundhouse kicks in my house.
6: Like, like, I love the Jerry West stuff, whether it's true or not. Oh, who cares? No <laughs>
3: doubt.
6: <laughs> and the fact that they're talking about him losing six championships, and he won an MVP in a losing effort, and then he just takes that trophy and just oh. throws it around the room like, piss on this, I wanted to win a championship.
1: It is. Um, it is brilliant, man. It is so. How good is
6: John C. Riley? He's That's, incredible. I didn't even realize all the stuff about. Uh, oh, Gary Will Buck. Ferrell.
1: Did you know? Did you know the story about like Adam McKay and Will Ferrell aren't friends anymore?
6: Yeah, they had a falling out because he wanted. To, he's a huge Lakers fan. Yeah. Huge USC guy, and he wanted to be in this, and he just didn't give him a part. So
1: there's a. There, I was reading an interview, and there's a line where Adam McKay is like, "You know, I'm, I'm, I'm upset about it, but ultimately, we made the right decision." And, like, mm-hmm. did he ever make the right decision? John it's, C. Riley so is. And, like, I know he's had his ups and downs. There have been things that haven't been so great from John C. Riley. Of course, we all love the things that we've loved from John C. Riley, we love in a, in a level we can't possibly describe. He, like, I don't. You almost forget that he's John C. Riley at mm-hmm. points. He's so bloody good at, at just playing this exact character. He has it nailed where he's somehow both. A playboy douchebag and the most likable person on the face of the planet at the exact same time
6: like he like nailed it in one sentence there like that's that's absolutely true like who he's playing and how much you enjoy seeing him on the screen oh
1: you can't get enough man like you just give me every single element of this dude almost to the point where like the guy that's playing magic is great and the magic yep. storyline is tremendous but I just want it to be the Jerry Butts show. Like, yeah. It's And, and so my good. hope
6: is that they just keep doing this series over and over and over again and just go year by year. Don't rush it. Just right. let it play out. Right. Because th- there's so much they could tell. I actually went back and watched the uh, Magic vs. Bird documentary because uh, last week I went down the rabbit hole on the show where I kind of was uh, looking up like Larry Bird trash talk and how iconic he was. And he was like some of the trash talking he did, like for example, I retweeted one of them where Craig Hodges won the year that Bird couldn't uh, couldn't perform in the three point shootout. So and they said, "Hey, does this paint the um you know your championship with Bird not being in it?" And he goes, "Yeah, Bird knows where to find me." And they had to told Larry about it. He said, "Yeah, at the end of the bench." So, <laughs> <laughs> like, like he just did not care, man. Oh, and so and great. like you see the fist fights with Dr. J, or when he got into it with the Pistons, he was like he would talk trash to them. They told there was a story I read about a, a, that he was just abusing a young Dominique Wilkins and this is a hall of famer and he's just abusing him. And he goes over to their coach and he's like, Hey man, you ain't got anybody out here that can stick me. Do you want to, you want to get somebody off that bench? Do you have somebody at the end of your bench? The coach looks at it and says, no, Larry, I don't have anybody that can guard you. <laughs> and like He just didn't care. I'm going to go to the elbow, shoot a jump shot right, over you and right. win the game. Bing wins it. Get off the court scrubs. Like it's, it was
1: hilarious. I, now again, I have also I, I watched WrestleMania last night, so I have not watched last night's episode either. But um, it, like they've already put Pat Riley in the crosshairs, and we're still legitimately two head coaches away from Pat Riley. Like <laughs> yeah. that's what gives yep. me hope for this being like a long term thing. Is that they don't force it? They have. They well, have. Do you know what
6: happens
1: to McKay? To McKay. Or McKinney, I mean? I, yeah, I'm familiar. I I okay. I yes, I know what happens.
7: I don't want um, to ruin it for anybody. No, no, but, yeah. I, if, you,
1: if you guys don't know the real story, um, man, it's it's out there. He was in a, what was it, a bike accident? A bike was accident, yeah. yeah. And so that's he's how... He's a
6: big exercise guy. Like, he was out running with him, he's out biking, he gets hit by a car.
1: And that's how Paul Westfall ends up taking over, and of course they're going to win the championship with Paul Westfall as this interim head coach, mm-hmm. and Pat Riley is, they're already planting the seeds of what will ultimately become yeah. the face of the Lakers as far as a coach is concerned down the road. So, man, I... So,
6: I'm wondering if they show it in this because eventually the downfall of West... Uh, of Westhead, right? It's Westhead, not Westfall. Westfall. I said Westfall, West, yeah. West Westfall,
1: Westfall, Westfall of course, was coach. the Suns coach and the Loyola Marymount coach. Well, no, West, yeah. wait, Westhead. My God, we should have a Westhead Paul Westfall. A Paul... This is like when I have to talk about No Strings Attached versus uh, Friends with Benefits. Oh, the the I same need... movie? Yes, but, but, but I need... One of them was good. Um, and I can't ever remember what, it was. Friends with Benefits was good, right? That was the Justin Timberlake Mila Kunis one, correct?
6: Yeah, and that the other was, one is that, was, is that Cameron Diaz and No, no it Strings was, Attached.
1: That was oh, it was Ashton, Natalie, Kutcher Natalie Natalie Blum, Portman, and and Ashton Kutcher and Natalie Portman, correct? And it was okay. not as good of a film. So, ironically,
6: why didn't they just have Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis do it? I, have it
1: it the is There is something significantly ironic about that, right? Yeah. Like, literally, they, they one they went with one camp, they went with the other camp, and look how things ended.
0: By the way, that 70s show is getting a reboot on Netflix called That 90s Show. It's all the same uh, cast.
6: They rebooted uh, How I Met Your Mother and How I Met Your Father, and I watched five minutes, and I wanted to drive a steak right through my skull. But that's um, nobody that was involved
1: I, with the original wait, wait, show. I thought they, like, brought back... Red and Kitty, but it was going to be a different group. I, of... I, I
0: read about it. It's going to be all the same cast. I'm out. It, aside from Danny Masterson.
1: Well, yeah, I mean he's probably he's not. We- yes, he's not welcome any longer. Yeah. He's Apparently same...
6: he didn't get the memo that if, even if you get canceled, you can still win something like uh, CK wedding Best Gram. Really, really for weird album. bit.
1: Really, <laughs> really weird bit, bro. Really yeah. weird bit. The way it's that crazy. worked out. Um, Jeremy Conn is with us, by the way. Like <laughs> we're just all over the place. It's not what we normally do. Hey, where are you as far as Duke hate is concerned? Are you some like? Are, it, and I separate it from a Maryland thing, right? Because Ooh. it's an American thing. It it's one of the few things that people in this country have been able to rally around over the years. Is like we all hate each other. We all have different political beliefs and you know, all that, but we all can get together and and enjoy when we get to watch Duke basketball lose a game. Are you, does it give you the same joy that it gives everybody else?
6: No, I'm indifferent. I, I'm one of those, like, I, I always root for Maryland. I have no problem with Duke winning or losing either way. I mean, there'll be specific times where I'm like, ugh, I don't like, like, most people hated J.J. Redick when he was on mm-hmm. Duke, or you, you had certain people you hated. And if it, if you want to go back in the Wayback Machine and talk about, Christian Leitner, but I've also had those on other teams where guys you just don't like. And as I got older, I kind of became even more of a contrarian. When somebody really doesn't like somebody, I end up liking them, which is just—it's the worst. But um, but no, I don't. I don't have hatred for him. Like I do think, uh, what was it in the past five or six years, and maybe it's even longer than that. I hated some of the the stuff from from Coach K, and even after the game, there's that. Uh, uh, video where he's talking to uh, um, Armada Bacat from the, yeah. the, the the Tar Heels, and it just looks like he's like crediting him for winning, but also kind of ostracizing him as a player, and he does that quite a bit.
1: Oh yeah, I, that's I just, the smug. I'm, that's the thing.
6: Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of his. But I don't I don't openly root against or for him at all.
1: Um, I am. I am, of course, again, because there's so few things that get us to rally as people. I am all on board with rallying around hating Duke, and I had this epiphany uh, yesterday morning where I was like, I don't know if it's going to be the same moving forward. And we've been talking about it on the show this morning, like what you just a- alluded to to me is so significant in this. It's the smug. It's the we want to see Mike Shishovsky get to get his comeuppance because he's the guy that genuinely believes that only he can teach kids how to do things the right way. Like, he truly yeah. – smell, like, he enjoys the smell of his own farts. And while – You don't? Well, I no. mean, come on. I've got some really good ones. and you know, those I definitely know. But you know what I mean. Um, and while, yes, Duke basketball will still have douchebag fans and they will still be given more national TV games on ESPN than whatever they're worthy of getting, you know, like, there will still be that, I do think some of it dissipates just – because he's not present any longer i just i genuinely believe that a lot of the duke hate is centered specifically around mike shishewski and 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 just how truly smug he is
6: yeah and and i could see that too and um you know it's one of the things like watching him coach some of his mannerisms things he does i think i've had more problems with him jim Beheim. trying to think if there's someone else calipari like as much as i'm not a fan of his I, i like I always felt like I don't want to say he's honest, but I, I feel like he's honest in the moment um, of how he feels about certain things and losses and wins, and it's something that I I, I like about him actually, um, where he's a very unlikable person for most people. But with with Coach K and and more more specifically Jim Beheim, when they sit there and you know verbally attack other players or complain they didn't get this or that, it's like come on, dude, like you guys get more of the calls than most people, so stop bitching about it.
1: I'm I'm with you. I'm completely with you. It's it's way over the top. All right. Um. I feel like there was something. How do you feel about tonight? Have, I know you're gonna put a pick up, but I mean, there's yeah. not a whole lot going on tonight for you to make picks for. God.
6: Yeah. I mean. Yeah. And I screwed up today. I was doing my picks the site I go to. Um. I guess it's my own fault. Like not even checking to see if there were any NBA games. I clicked on it and I started breaking down tonight's slate, and I'm like, Yeah. They're hey, tomorrow. The lines? Yeah. I don't have any <laughs> totals. So I'm giving. I gave out four plays today of what I like and then the damn games are tomorrow, yeah. and I feel like such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but, not great. But, hey, it happens. Um, but, yeah, I like Kansas tonight. Like, the, I think the one thing is, if we're talking about bigs, if Picard is, is, is hurt, um, you know, like, he's going to play tonight, but, again, is he going to be effective? Is this going to be some Willis Reed-type thing? How bad is his injury? They're saying they're not going to keep him off the floor. But if he's limited, that's a benefit to Kansas. And I think, quietly, Kansas has been playing the best basketball in the tournament. Um, UNC's run over some... Uh, some I think somebody said they beat three top ten preseason teams. They also, you know, you, you knock off UCLA, who was in the Final Four last year. You knock off Baylor, the um, you know the returning champ. So uh, they've had a nice run, and of course Duke being in that mix as well. Ending Coach K, like the one thing I read about him is that they ended uh, Coach K's first loss in the ACC was the UNC. Um, his last loss, at, uh, his Last game at at, uh, at Cameron Indoor. Lost the UNC in his last game that'll ever coach and lost the UNC. So. I mean, I look and I get
1: cool. the, the dude won five national championships, but like, there is no way that any Duke fan will ever not hear about that from a Carolina fan. Just oh, no. stole part of Always. my tidbit, dude. It's nuts. Well, we'll get we'll get to whatever you got. We'll get there in a minute. Um, I I hear everything you're saying. There's still a small part of me that's like, does anyone really deserve to be a four point favorite right now? Right, like the the way yeah. and I, I I get it. I do think the Kansas is the best team and all that, but like the way that Carolina has played, if Baycock can go, I don't know, man. Like, it's just hard for me to, to – four points does not take much. It takes a foul at the end of the game, something like that, right? And then a close game suddenly turns into a five-point game. But I just almost feel like the, the smart play is just to take the points because these are two really good teams at this point And, you know, if you got a chance to take some points, you take them.
6: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going back and forth because – just to be honest, like I'm either taking Kansas or the under, and those are the two things I'm looking at. I, I see it at 150, and I understand why it's there. Kansas does like to slow it down, and and my whole my thought process was if you think it goes over the total, or if you think UNC wins, I would take the over. If you think Kansas wins, I would take the under because it means they're dictating and play. Uh, you know, they're they're sure. paid to play. Like for sure. example, when Kansas played Villanova, who's another slow it down team, the total was 133, which was extremely low. Now it shot over, uh, but Kansas was hot as. As anyone has been to start off that game, they were hitting everything, and Villanova couldn't buy a bucket. Um, but with UNC, you know, we saw that the second half against Duke—I mean, they scored almost 90 points combined. So, uh, I mean, you you can see these games get up in pace and play, and that's how UNC likes to play. I do think Caleb Love is significant tonight. Like, you need somebody. I, and he's that's the guy that that's an interesting
1: one to me, right? Because if you're going to take like if you think Carolina's going to win Caleb Love's sitting at 5 to 1 to be most outstanding player right and after I would bet on it, after yeah. what he did on Saturday like why wouldn't you just get better odds and bet Caleb Love to be most outstanding player instead of betting Carolina on the you know the money line i, I don't yeah. that's that one stands out to me a little bit i tell you that's what uh, what was good for me this weekend was a little wrestlemania betting i know that uh, our, our friends at fanduel don't allow it but uh, thank mm-hmm. you to uh, some other places that did because it was a pleasant everything except uh they decided to let pat mcafee go over austin theory who they've identified as being a future superstar so why not make him job to a former nfl punter at wrestlemania why why not do that everything but that was good for me from a betting perspective this weekend can i
7: i'll give you that something paul sorry
1: no no he he was just saying that he he
6: felt the same way as i did yeah so i want to know this i'm not a wrestling fan anymore i would have watched wrestlemania had things been different i was out of town this weekend and But even then, I I wasn't going to order it by myself. So that being said, are you like so? You had Logan Paul there. You had uh, uh, Pat McAfee, Johnny Knoxville. What Wee Man body slams? By the way,
1: and and that's what the that segment, everything about Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville was delightful. Mm. Was really a joy. I mean, was Wee Man body slamming Sami Zayn is a top five (laughs) professional wrestling moment to me all time like, like that, 3 feet off the floor Dude it's like you couldn't believe what you were watching you thought it had to be like some sort of Hollywood trick like
6: it was insane and he carried him for a second like yeah. it was amazing So do you like that stuff or do you feel like WrestleMania has to do some of the over the top get celebrities there or, right. or do you not like that
1: I've I've always separated the two things I've always said look I, you know I get it, there's, it's sort of like uh, if you're a football fan you have to deal with the fact that the super bowl is going to be about the halftime show and and all that type of crap right you're going to have to deal with it um and so i can live with it to some extent i have way less of a problem Sami Zayn is such a wonderful performer that he can f- make something like that completely joyful he had a huge role in why that was such a wonderful experience yeah. And Johnny Knoxville was the perfect person to have involved because he's going to do absurd, ridiculous things. And how's it any different than watching like an old ECW match from back in the day,
6: right? Like, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Because, oh, like, it was wonderful.
1: Chris Pontius is yeah. jumping out in the thong, like I mean, it's just everything about it was exactly what you wanted that to be. It,
6: I have the thing I have a hard time with, uh, Glenn, is is knowing that George from um, the Wedding Singer. Yeah. His brother was the former WCW champion. Some of you may call him David that's, Arquette. That but is true. George from The Wedding Singer's that's, brother.
1: That is correct. Uh, Patricia Arquette's brother, David, was once upon a but time.
6: That's, but that's Alexis Arquette. In, oh, uh- uh- Oh that's right That is
1: who it is I'm sorry Thank yeah. you I don't know why I said it was Who's passed yes. away In the past I did, years, I I did see that You're right about that uh, Yes it's Alexis Arquette's brother Yes David Arquette Was once upon a time That's a different thing That's a joke That's shameful That they ever did that Right like I'll never forgive him they, they let him be The professional wrestling champion Because he was promoting A movie about professional wrestling That's a
6: Dewey joke Dewey from Scream Was the WCW champion that's,
1: Now by the way he, you, Have you like Followed his story No He hates That people Hate that so much that in the last five years he decided to become hell-bent about being an independent professional wrestler
3: <laughs> and has
1: become a hardcore pro-indie pro-wrestling guy in the last five years, doing wow. these like insane death matches because he wants to somehow legitimize his involvement in professional wrestling 25 years ago at this point. So stupid. He's he's nuts He's insane It's bonkers But that last night Like the, the Johnny Knoxville thing Was wonderful The Logan Paul thing Eh Take yeah. it Like yeah. I, everybody's pointed out He actually did a really nice job um, Like Bad Bunny did a year ago I know you made fun of it I don't care Bad Bunny Was unreal As a professional I don't care about him at all He was unreal As a professional wrestler He was Bad Bunny bad, bad Bunny um, yeah. uh, it's, it's playa it's yeah, playa, playa, playa. Not playa, playa. Um, <laughs> that guy was nuts. The Logan Paul thing, eh? The guy does nothing for me. You know, he he was fine, but it's a take it or leave it thing. A professional wrestler could do the same job. The Pat McAfee thing was the only embarrassing one because they let him win. They've been like telling. But you thought
6: otherwise. McAfee was great outside. He shouldn't have won. A hundred
1: percent. McAfee okay. can do this. It's just embarrassing because they're trying to tell you that that Austin Theory. Is a future superstar Like they're telling you He's gonna be a champion He's He is We're we're strapping the rocket To this kid And then literally Having him job To Pat McAfee, yeah.
0: and then
6: have Pat McAfee. And
1: it's only to it's man. only to set up this all this other shtick they're gonna do. And again, none of th-
6: yeah, it has it it's more promotion on. You know, a guy that's getting paid multi millions to do a show for Fanduel.
1: And that, by the way, I don't hate Pat McAfee. God bless him, right? Like, oh, go great. go get yours. It's not my thing. Like, I'm not a Pat McAfee guy. Just hearing somebody use a Pittsburgh accent to me is not comedy. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't understand. Like I keep saying to that people like, what's the comedy part of it? It, like that when he just when he pronounces words in weird ways, like what's the part why why is he funny? And I don't I still don't understand that. But he's personable and I get that and he comes off likable because of it, and so, you know, I I don't I don't begrudge the guy in any way. Like I'd probably love having a beer with him, frankly. He'd probably be a fun dude. He's just his show is not for me. That's all. It's just not my thing. Um But, like, I don't have a problem with Pat McAfee being there. Just don't let him win. Like, that was the only problem. Like, having him go over the guy that you're supposed to be making a superstar. We'll talk more about this in jobbing out this week. There are plenty of people that are utterly bored by what it is that we're doing right now. All right. uh, What's coming up on the Big Bad Morning Show this week?
6: Well, I'm in until Wednesday. Uh, your buddy Drew will be joining us, um, or our buddy Drew uh, will be joining us to talk Masters. this big week. Um, and then I, I'm off to Chicago for a bachelor party on uh, Thursday. So it'll be oh, a really interesting time.
1: Look at you. Yeah. yeah, Drew's starting his show this Sunday. Um, and then it's going to be another week or two before Reed and I start just because... Well, I don't. I, I'm not going to bore you with it, but we're going to be there. It'll be a couple weeks, and then Reed and I will be uh, joining us. Still enjoy the
6: pic of you standing outside the station with the CBS Dude, it's Radio so. Jeremy, uh, it's so.
1: Do you know the story on that?
6: Uh, where did you guys get that?
1: So uh, Eunice left it behind at the combine. We there was one year where I did my show and Eunice did the midday show with Vinny from the combine, yeah. and you know Eunice is my boy. I loved Glenn. Like we've never. You know how this goes. I used to pretend like I was fighting with you on the radio for the sake of fighting. You know what I mean? Like, it was all about getting attention. But I've I've always loved you. Um, so Eunice and I... Eunice was the type that, like, genuinely believed if I made jokes about you on the radio, it was because I hated you. Like, so he and I didn't really know each other the same way at that time. And I had to go over to him and be like, dude, we're good. Like, I got I got no issue with you at all. I'm just... I don't know if you heard, I'm on the smallest signal in the history of radio. I'm trying to get people involved. Like, I'm trying to do a whole thing. So he left behind the banner when they departed for the week. And I texted Drew and I said, I've got this banner. I went and grabbed it because I feel like we can do something with it. I feel like there's comedy that can be had because we have this banner. And I left him in charge. And, of course, Drew, for those that don't know, is responsible for what legitimately is the greatest April Fool's Day uh, prank in the history of Baltimore media when he and Terry went on that morning and said that the the Ravens had traded for Tim Couch. It was – I mean, they literally ran it on ESPN. Like, I mean, it was the greatest April Fool's joke ever. So Drew came back and said, well, let's hold it until April, and you and I go over there on that morning, which, by the way, happened Mm -hmm. to be an Easter morning that year – and we'll take a picture and we'll share it out and we'll just say we're reunited details coming and at the time everybody most people were like oh it's april 1st but we had we had left a couple of easter eggs like the night before i had said something like hey there's a big announcement coming tomorrow i won't be able to talk to you about it for a little while like we had done a couple of things try to lay the and there were a few folks and i won't tell you over the air but I, if you want to text me there were some people that worked with you at the time that were, yeah, we're really living. worked up about
6: it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> really, <laughs>
1: really worked up about it.
6: Like, yeah, it
1: did not I, go over well. With there's people. still
6: some people that, uh, that have, um, I don't want to say sour grapes, because I think it's not justified. to The old station we worked at that were pissed off how things ended and how they ended up being, but... That being said, it's you know Right. Come on. It's man. a long time ago.
1: Wait, what are we doing? Like what are we doing? Yeah. But it the the irony was uh Ryan Shell, who's who's helping us out again and we love Ryan, who's back in town now working for BAL. Ryan, the day that, that you guys announced that Drew and I were coming over to do shows, dug up this picture and I was like, Oh my god, the irony. Like the yeah. irony that all these years later both Drew and I were being announced to go do shows on one oh five seven again. Oh, That's cool it's
6: incredible. Glad to have, have you, man.
1: Uh, love you, brother. At Jeremy one hundred 105.7 on Twitter. Picks every day. Pressboxonline.com. We'll talk to you next Monday. All right. It's, I'll see you, man. Thanks, pal. Jeremy checking with us here on GCR. Appreciate him doing that. Yeah, it'll be probably two weeks. I'll, I will, within the next day or so, have a definitive answer for you on when Rita and I are starting. Um, Easter got thrown in. That was kind of a problem. Like, just some just some things we hadn't thought about ahead of it ahead of time i am going to be back at the FanDuel sportsbook at live casino and hotel this sunday for the final round of the masters in fact drew drew is doing 12 to 2 a special master show on sunday of fairways and greens on the fan and then he's going to come join me afterwards in the FanDuel sportsbook so we'll be hanging out this sunday and that Unfortunately, makes me unavailable to start because this was the day we were supposed to start doing the show over it. Mm-hmm. So that's not an option. I'm already committed, and um, you know I hope you'll come join me in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel tonight with Rodney Elliott for the title game, and then Sunday with Drew Forrester for the final round of the Masters, where I will of course be providing the um, expert analysis, and Drew will just be there to be a pretty face. So that's the way it's going to go on Sunday, but we'll have great giveaways again. So look forward to seeing you either tonight or Sunday in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland as we will be hanging out with you and trying to help you win some money, great giveaways, and more. And again, tonight, your final chance to get in. If you're a Live Rewards member, a $50 bet on tonight's game can be registered to win a $500 bracket bonus. Come back in. Paul is mad. We kind of ruined his... St- you know what? I, fo- I apologize, John. I've seen your comments this morning. I'm sorry. Carolina has the ultimate advantage now with putting Duke and Shevsky in the coffin. Uh, beat them at Duke in, in Shevsky's final game there and beat them in the first time in the school's history after their coach. Um, yes. Anytime, any... I, I don't care how many titles Duke wins. Anytime a Carolina fan bumps into a Duke fan ever again, they will forever have this. They will forever... And there's nothing that anyone can do about it. Like, this is the ultimate middle finger.
3: Right.
1: Like, there's just no, there's no, you can try to, oh, yeah, well, we won five national championships. By the way, I don't know if you heard, Carolina's won a bunch too. Um, like, there's nothing. There's nothing you can do. Right. This is, oh, it makes, it makes it so much better for those of us that hate Duke, right? Because there is just no retort. There's none, zero, that you can have. I hadn't thought about the letdown possibility at all, like it hadn't come up to me, but when Gravis mentioned that like they already won the national championship, I do worry about like how do you come back from those emotions. You can say the the flip side argument is always you're playing with house money, right? You got yeah. nothing you got nothing to lose now. You did what you needed to do. Now you got nothing to lose. And and there's something to be said for that, but I do worry that like you spent all week thinking about this game and being emotionally ready for this game. Now this matchup is an afterthought, right? Like, there's no emotion between North Carolina and Bill Self. Except it's for the national
0: championship. And, the, and
1: so you hope that that's the case. You hope that, like, that weighs out and, and it, none of the other stuff matters. But these are human beings that we're talking about, right? right. And especially younger human beings where they're, they're so amped up for this one thing. Can they match that intensity two nights later for a matchup that isn't as significant Although we all know, of course, the title being at stake should be uh, as significant. Also, uh, John said, I remember when opening day, baseball was always on this day. I also remember going to opening day and WWF Raw at the arena on the same night that Keith Smart hit the game winner for Indiana. That was a few years back, of course. Um, and, they, yeah, remember there are three other time zones here. We're talking about that at the top of the show. We, there is a bit of an East Coast bias when we bitch about nine twenty start to a national championship game. All right, come back in. Tidbit, 2 to wrap it up.
5: Glenn Clark Radio.
1: answering Baltimore's calls for help running in when others run away working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city that's your Baltimore Police but the department needs more good people people like you join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one join for good at bpdrecruit.org
0: Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets with Glenn Clark and Paul Valley every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Bruce Billick and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and even a few winners. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday at 1140 a.m. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline.
1: Come in for glory burgers, glory wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy the award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try our fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or our scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays, $6.99 nachos on Thursdays, and Taco Tuesdays. And watch all of your favorite games at Glory Days Grill, with 25 screens and private speakers at every table, plus game day drink specials. Visit us at glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports.
0: Baseball is back. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. You can find us live every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon, talking all things Orioles and Major League Baseball.
5: Like the debuts of Adley Rutschman and Grayson Rodriguez.
0: And how the rotation and bullpen are rounding into form. Watch us live at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. Or you can listen at Pressboxonline.com slash radio. That's the Bataround, live with the latest in baseball coverage every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon.
3: We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash sports, And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants.
1: Winding down for the day here on GCR. Tonight, Stan the Fan Charles and Ross Grimsley are going to have an emotional conversation with former Orioles reliever Jim Poole. Um, Jim Poole, from a baseball standpoint, was an effective reliever. Probably remember in Baltimore, he was the final Orioles pitcher to be credited with a win in a game at Memorial Stadium. Jim Poole, um recently un- let it be known that he's battling ALS, and um, he's talking about it openly, and I think we all know what's likely to come for Jim Pool and his fight with ALS, but appreciate him using his voice right now um, as he discusses it openly, and he's going to have a conversation tonight with uh, Stan and with Ross about his battle with ALS. It'll be an emotional conversation. You will not want to miss Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you can't watch it live, it will be available tomorrow, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or at uh, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stan the Fan, Charles, and Ross Grimsley chatting with former Orioles reliever Jim Poole. Tidbit is brought to you today by the print issue of Pressbox, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, read it all, pressboxonline.com. Of course, 20 national championship games ago, Maryland basketball cut down the nets. It was 20 years ago this past Friday, Gary Williams right there on the cover. So we celebrate that 20th anniversary of that magical moment in Maryland history. Go pick up that print issue of PressBox today or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com.
0: feel like uh, quoting the girl next door. I was going to quote John F. Kennedy, but I can't do that now. Can <laughs> I? Not bad. Uh, North Carolina and Duke met in the Final Four on Saturday, marking the 100th matchup between the two institutions in the career of Coach K., with North Carolina's win, Coach K ended his career with an even fifty and fifty against the Tar Heels. Did you know that Shashovsky sandwiched his entire—we all know this now—sandwiched uh, his entire coaching career between two North Carolina losses? That's right. His first ever college basketball game as a head coach with Army, Shashovsky lost to the Tar Heels seventy-eight seventy-six, and in his last game, he lost to the Tar Heels eighty-one seventy-seven. For North Carolina, it marks their 12th trip to the NCAA Tournament Final as they look to win their 7th title, title, but their 1st as an 8th seed. Did you know this is only the 4th time in NCAA history that an 8th seed has made it to the championship game and that only 1 has ever won it? In fact, the 8th seed is the lowest seed ever to reach the final. What other 3 teams right. accomplished the feat and which team won the lone 8 seed championship? Was it NC
1: State that was the 8 seed? No. What seed were they then when Valvano?
0: I don't know, but I know that they beat like the overall number Didn't they beat the overall the number Houston, 1 seed? Houston,
1: yes. I thought they were a lower seed. Maybe they were a 4, maybe it wasn't 8. It was just I definitely remember them being a lower seed. So, um, the UConn team that Kevin Ollie was the coach for was a low seed, but I don't remember if they were an eight or a seven.
0: Are you talking about 2014? Yes. They were a seven seed.
1: Seven seed, okay. Um, they
0: lost in the final to an eight seed that year. No, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, they beat an eight seed Yeah, they in beat, the final. Kentucky
1: was an eight seed. Yeah, so that's... They beat, that's, that's yeah, it was right a weird word. year where UConn-Kentucky is the championship game, and it's... Nobody would remember it was a seven-eight matchup.
0: The highest, com- or the the highest combined seed in the history of the NCAA to- tournament. Um, so you have two teams left. That's gonna drive me nuts. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, I thought you'd get the number the the team that won because they blasted it all over Twitter last night. Was it?
1: Was it the Villanova team with Raleigh Massamino? Were they an eight seed?
0: Nineteen eighty five. Yeah. They beat Georgetown. Yeah. I just it's hard to remember exactly
1: yeah. what the number was, but you know, they were definitely a lower seed.
0: And this was in the last eleven, um, twelve years. Hang on. Was it?
1: Butler? Was it Butler? Were they?
0: butler in 2011 the, they were an eight seed that lost to yukon
1: so the second time they were because the first one was when they played duke what were they that year what were they i thought they were a lower seed what seed were they when they lost to duke
0: i don't know <sighs> all right
1: well whatever anyway not that it's not that important the second one the one against yukon was one of the worst title games of all time it was something like 50 to 40. I mean, it was just a dreadful national championship game. It was wretched and they were never competitive. It was just really bad. Of course, the one against Duke was a thriller that if only Gordon Hayward's shot would have banked in. Oh, if only, if <laughs> only that would have banked in what a moment that would have been. All right. Uh, Tidbit was also brought to you today by the Baltimore police as they are on the search. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise, the national championship game, and that's about it. Of course, Carolina, Kansas, on TBS at 9.20 tip-off. Hope you'll come join us in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. If you're looking for something else, NHL Network has Maple Leafs Lightning at 7.30, so there's that. USA Network this afternoon for Crystal Palace and Arsenal at 3. Uh, only audio for an Orioles broadcast today against the Pirates, and it's not local. you got to find it on MLB TV. Brace Wilson and Bruce Zimmerman, the pitching matchup at 1. MLB Network has Mets Astros right now. And the USA Network for uh, what is normally an eventful uh, Raw after WrestleMania tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise?
0: Um, Shaq is on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert tonight. Jake Gyllenhaal is on Jimmy Kimmel Live. And... Um there's not really much else. Yeah, honestly. they don't typically go up against. Yeah, the, the, they, they like typically
1: take the night off and let the title game sort I,
0: of. I, I will say that on Netflix, it's not new, but it's new to Netflix. Mm. Uh, season 5 of Better Call Saul is on ne- is, uh, on okay. Netflix now uh, because season 6 starts this month.
1: Oh, so does it? Yeah,
0: so you can. You I can, didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, that so you, you can binge season 5 to get called up if you, if you aren't called up so you can watch season 6.
1: All right. Know the risks and have a plan before you start gambling for free and confidential services. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Thanks today to Rodney Elliott. Thanks to Graves Vasquez and to Jeremy Kahn. We'll get it all up in the Greatest Hits section of the archive Tab at glenclarkradio.com. Somebody's calling me. I don't know who this is. I'll call him back. Um, tomorrow on the program, Patrick Stevens joins us. And stuff and things, I think. I think that's where we are. Hopefully a couple things we've been working on will start coming through tomorrow. All right. Uh, thanks to everybody at Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great 8's Memorabilia, Live Casino and Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Blue Line K9, your local Toyota dealer, BuyAToyota.com. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley Third. Follow. Uh, thanks to Ryan Shell. Follow him at RexSpecsRyan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio as well. Have a great Monday night. We'll see you down in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Go! I'm probably betting some money on Carolina, so go them. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.